What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends if you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today, uh, I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Mike. Hello. Um, We're supposed to be joined by Matt as well, uh, but due to um, medical-related illness, uh, cannot join us. That's very uh, upsetting. Um, but I'll try to get him on by the end of the year. I think, uh, I think that's something that can be pretty doable. So, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to get him on, um, to, uh, um, to, to, to get his part on the show, uh, to get, to get a chance to introduce him, but that's okay. We still got Mike, uh, for the very first time on the show, Mike's a part of our new wave of writers, um, from, uh, a couple months back. Um, gosh, it's, it's weird calling that new at this point. <laughs> I know, right. Uh, cause that was what, like, uh, July, something like that. I, I reached I reached out to you all in June. Actually, okay. I didn't actually get my first review on the board until July, though. So I'm yeah, I am relatively to the site. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just weird calling it new when that was six months ago. But <laughs> it, it just um, it just feels weird in general because it's November already and 2021 is almost over. It's yeah. so weird. It's it's very weird. I remember when it was November first. It was like, hold on, it's not November, and now it's like the fifteenth, and it's like, no, November first was yesterday. So exactly, yeah. Um, anyway, we write for Sifpop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges. By the way, love the best ever challenge from last week. We did black and white films released after nineteen seventy. I thought that was really terrific, um, especially some of the films that were also released in color that were like, you know, like Parasite and Mad Max Fury Road uh, and Logan. Like to hear like what makes the black and white so special about that. I really thought that was. Uh, uh, one of my favorite BECs we've ever done. It's so. a great read. Check it out. Definitely check yeah. it out. And it gave me a chance to watch Guy and Madeline on a park bench. So, uh, Damien Chazelle's intro. So nice. Um, I didn't very, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I did the thing where Joseph does where he, uh, he always picks a movie that he like hasn't seen. But the problem with it when you're doing the BEC is that like you still have to write about it in a positive way because these are the best ever movies. And right. uh, and I think there is an audience out there that would still claim that Guy and Madeline is a is a great movie, you know, just but like just IMDb, sto- IMDb yeah. scores kind of reflect things and I, I think I'm not in the minority where I think it's kind of just okay. But um, but I countered that by writing about Parasite, because they criterion is a black and white, so that's for sure worth checking out. But um, nice. Yeah, and other uh, couple movie reviews I did lately. I did uh, Last Night in Soho and uh, The Eternals for the sites. Um, I don't I don't do reviews that often anymore, but because I have the podcast to do it, so um, so I feel like giving you guys the opportunity to write is is more my role. And uh, uh, but I uh, but I got to write on those two. Mike's Mike's done quite a few. What are some of the recent ones that you've done? You you do like two or three a month, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last month uh, for October, I did Ted Lasso. Season two, I was really excited mm-hmm. to get the opportunity to do that one. I also, uh, I, I wanted to challenge myself a little bit, and I did the Paranormal Activity SIF uh, binge, I guess. And binge that watch, was, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was trickier than I thought it was going to be, because I'm not somebody who actively seeks out scary or horror movies. 
Uh, but it's still something that I was interested in doing simply because also uh, I didn't get a chance to sign up for a movie. So, and I noticed that Paranormal Activity 7, I guess, <laughs> was uh, not on the list originally. So I decided to give it a shot and take it on. So uh, so other than that, I've also I also did the Space Jam 2 review and I did four reviews in September, which wow. yeah. was a little crazy, but still good. Yeah. yeah, since I make the graphics for the site, I just find myself constantly putting in your name. And that's that's great. I love it. I love the enthusiasm. And look, somebody's got to watch the Paranormal Activity movies. It's not going to be me, but somebody's got to do it. So. <laughs> yes, it was, a, it was a great sacrifice I had to make. And I did it for the name of Sif Pop. So I'm well, very and, happy to do that. Well, and I love those binge watch movies because sometimes there's like, hey, guys, one of these is actually really worth watching. Um, you Occasionally you get that. I think your like, surprise was Paranormal Activity 3. Um, that you were like, hold on, that was actually kind of enjoyable, at least from reading the article. And um, uh, you know, you're like, it wasn't the worst, but like, this is certainly like kind of a decent time. And but like, I was thinking last month when we did the um, uh, the Halloween binge watch article, like reading Foster talk about some of those, I was like, hold on, I thought these were all supposed to be bad after the first one, and you're telling me that you kind of enjoyed like some of like I enjoyed kind of, a fair amount of them. Yeah, it, it made me want to go check them out. So like, because I've only seen the. Uh, what is the current timeline? The original, the 2018, and the the Halloween Kills. Like, so that's okay. the only ones I've seen. So, like, you know, I'm I'm excited to like maybe check out some of those older ones now too. So, yeah. um, but you know, I'll I'll avoid Resurrection because he's like, yeah, just just don't. <laughs> well, he's like, it's campy, are... but it's it's not the, worth it. <laughs> that's part of the the couple that was in the 90s, right? Resurrection and H2O. Yes. Those? Yeah, Resurrection was the last um, original timeline one. Okay. Is, so. is is that the one with Busta Rhymes? Because I will support I anything. <laughs> I, I will support anything that Busta Rhymes is in, even if uh, it's a campy Halloween movie. So nice. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Nice. Um, well, on the podcast today, uh, we're going to talk about a couple movies coming out. We're going to talk about a bunch of TV we've been watching. We're going to do a sift sort of the streaming services. This was uh, Mike's idea. Um, thought it'd be great. Um, so we're going to give you an official sift pop asterisk, you know, as declared by Mike and Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the top five streaming services that are out there. And we're going to have to agree to rank the, we're only going to rank the top five, but we're going to decide the top five out of all the million that are out there. And we're going to defend, and we're going to rank them and say this is the official Sif Pop Writers Room or Sif Pop, you know, whatever um, ranking. Until 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 Dicer does a Sif sort, we're right. gonna do. We're gonna say this is the official Sif Pop. So or um, until or until another random streaming ser- service comes out where we'll have to revisit this. That's true. That's true. It's inevitable. Uh, I give it like three months before a new one launches, or at least is announced. <laughs> so basically, uh, what you're saying is that this is version one, and then eventually we're going to have to just keep refreshing this until mm. either a streaming service goes away or another one gets brought in. So yes, solid for cool. sure. Um, uh, and, and when we're done with the B plot, well, of course, we'll have an opportunity for the spinoff, and we'll wrap up. But uh, but first, very first thing we have to do is uh, we have to familiarize, familiarize ourselves with our writer. Uh, so, Mike, I, I want to know a little bit about your history. So, um, when did you realize that movies are, like, your thing? So, when when I was younger, my dad collected movies. So, we had a lot of the clamshell VHS tapes uh, for... <laughs> Yeah, you, you're you're laughing because no, no, I had VHS tape. No, yeah, I just, exactly. The last time I heard clamshell VHS tapes was like, ooh, like it's it's been a hot minute. What since a forgotten descriptor. Well, it's because those were mainly for like animated show yep. or animated movies, and specifically the Disney movies. And yeah, because the other ones uh, just had sleeves. 
Yeah. Yep. So we, uh, so he collected a lot of VHS tapes. Uh, and it, when ultimately, when my parents got divorced, I and we ended up keeping a lot of those. And I ended up starting to collect movies myself. Movies didn't really become my thing probably until middle school or high school when I started to go out to the movies a little bit more, start collecting. Um, I tried to, I prided myself on a trying to have a really good VHS collection uh, and eventually had to convert all of those to DVDs. Oh, yeah. And then eventually had to convert all of those to Blu-ray. And Blu-ray is where I stopped collecting movies and just moved to completely digital because mm. digital is not going away unless you know something catastrophic happens. But I won't have to worry about converting it, even though I do miss my Blu-ray collection uh, and just my DVD collection a lot. Um, mm-hmm. In in high school, in particular, uh, I took a film and lit class. Uh, it was a class, uh, elective class, my senior year. Uh, loved it. Um, went to the movies a lot with my friends. Um, you know, when you're old enough to actually be able to go out and just enjoy movies on your own. So yeah, that's that's really when it started to click for me that movies were were my thing, and it it's kept up with me. Uh, when I was in college, I uh, when I was in college, uh, I brought all of my movies with me to college. Uh, not all in the in the like disc cases or things like that. Uh, do you remember those big like CD binders where you could oh, yeah. just Yep. Yeah, I, that's so, how I took my movies to college. I so didn't want to lug all the cases. I could just fit them all in one giant binder. Yeah, so I had about six or seven big binders. I brought them with me. My uh, One of my college uh, college uh, dorm neighbors, uh, he, he started calling me Blockbuster. I took them with me to my fraternity. And, yeah, nice. it just kind of became a thing. I haven't been able to keep up with movies as much uh, as you know a parent to a four-and-a-half-year-old, which... Kind of stinks, but but it is what it is, and uh, this was a way for me to just try to get back into watching movies. And TV shows have become a lot more prevalent now, and it's a little easier to watch TV versus going to the movies. But yeah, is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Man, I was just thinking like, so I didn't start collecting until DVDs were prominent because I I wasn't, you know, DVDs became prominent in two thousand. I was five, Mm -hmm. Um, or at least became like. It wasn't uncommon for your standard family to have it. So, um, yeah, you know, it was. Be, they used to be really expensive. They used to be right. Then. Yeah. So, um, so then I got to the point that I was collecting, and I I got like maybe sixty or seventy in um, when uh, when Blu-rays were around, but I still didn't have a Blu-ray player for probably about a year. But I was, but I started upgrading stuff just whenever it was on sale. Or Best Buy used to have this really awesome program where you could bring in a DVD and no matter what DVD it was, it would give you a $5 coupon. Like mm-hmm. if you bought a Blu-ray and like, that was like a really like, like, I don't know how they did it because like they're essentially just giving away $5 coupons and taking in a bunch of trash. Like, I don't know, like were they like bundling it and selling it to like manufacturers or like, you know, like I, I don't know how they got rid of those DVDs, but anyway, so like I would take in my DVD copy of total recall. And since that was a $10 Blu-ray, I got it for five bucks. So I got a $5 Blu-ray of Total Recall instead of the DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a great system. So, uh, so like taking advantage of that and just, you know, bl- when Blu-rays came out, they still do for the most part. They almost always come with a DVD as well. So you can buy the Blu-ray even if you don't have a Blu-ray player. And then uh, I'm just kind of selective on what I do 4K. If it's a first buy, I'd prefer a 4K. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to buy every 4K that comes out, you know, unless until they get dirt cheap, you know, like. Until it's like, hey, this movie's been released for five years now, and it's you know a ten dollar four K, and it, 
I'm sure that would be worth the upgrade, you know? Mm-hmm. I So I used to work at Best Buy, so I remember that program that you were right. talking Ooh. about. But uh, I also used to work at a uh, Hollywood video, which was Blockbuster's, oh, yeah. Blockbuster's big rival until, you know, movie rental places didn't become a thing or just stopped becoming a thing, unfortunately. So, uh, and that was something where it, that was a great way for me to just pick up movies because a lot of times people would trade them in and be like, oh, this is a movie that I'm interested in. You know, you should trade it in. We'll give you a little bit extra for it and then just kind of stash it off to the side and be dibs. I'm not letting this get to the shelf because I don't know who's going to come in and just take a look at that and think, yeah, I need that as part of my collection. So so they just re- repackage them and put them back on the shelves? Uh, n- Well, kind of. Yeah. So okay. what they would do, it's just a trade in process so right you uh they would bring movies in as long as they were in good condition and right, right. Uh, as long as the case didn't look like it was chewed up by a dog yeah you're good to go so yeah i do remember that all, all my stuff was in good quality but like there was a couple of them that i'm like really like i paid like two dollars for this movie from a resale shop like you're still gonna give me five bucks for it or whatever but yeah it's a great program and yeah i was always just like there's no way they're just reselling like repackaging these out there you know um I don't like. I have no idea what they did with them. Nope. And I have no idea what they did with them as well. <laughs> I just, I do remember that there was a giant pile of them in the back, and then one day there wasn't, yep. and they just kept re- redoing that, and I don't know where they went. So who knows? <laughs> I just, I'm just imagining like bulk sales on eBay. You know? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Here, here, killing doing that. Right. You know, two hundred dollars will get you. I'm literally going to randomly pick fifty movies or whatever out of the stack and bundle it. Yeah. Um. Well. No. That would be a bad price point, two hundred dollars for some Blu-rays. Right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that just brought back memories because I totally forgot about that like promo. It's like I wish they did that for four Ks. You know, it br- bring in the movie and we'll get you the four K like that four K for a certain amount off. That'd be great. That I would love be that. that'd be smart, and especially now that there's, I I feel like there was a lot more. Pub, not publicity, but there was a lot more of a push for people to just convert things to Blu-ray. But I still think 4K is still a little bit if in, it's infancy right now. Yeah, look, it's, it's it, it came out in a weird time because 4K Blu-rays were coming out right as digital became kind of starting to be the norm. Um, people were finally just deciding to switch. But so 4K players aren't necessarily common. Got it. Um, okay. And so there was so I think that's the thing. But luckily, most game consoles now. Um, like, you know, the, all the Xboxes um, and all the Playstations provided that they have the opportunity to play disc, mm-hmm. um, play 4K discs. So, right. you know, because there's some of them that are just all digital now. And uh, um, what a time but, to be alive, right? What a time to be alive. Indeed. Um, so what's your, what would you say is your favorite movie of all time? Uh, and specifically, why would that particular movie uh, be beyond excellent to you? So for the longest time, my favorite movie was The Princess Bride. Uh, it's just, you know, bit of a, not cliche answer, but you know, it's, it's one of those where you, you're having a a, a bad day and you could just put that in and it'll, it'll just put a smile on your face. I I did, did a lot of thinking about, you know, just remembering just some of the good theater going experiences that I've had and just the way that a certain movie made me feel like I, I'd watched the princess bride probably when I was like five or six, first time mm-hmm. that I saw The Princess Bride. So I didn't remember quite how it made me feel. But I, if I'm being honest with myself, I think the, the first movie that I, I saw that I was like, wow, this really had a profound effect on me was Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm going with that. The Lord right. of the Rings, The Two Towers is my favorite movie specifically because the first time I saw that, that just Battle of Helm's Deep, like, wow, this is this is what this is what this could really be. This could be just like a huge event. But there is a part specifically at the end um, where just the the speech that Sam gives about there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time that I saw that in, in theaters. Um, I actually have uh, that, that line uh, on my first tattoo and it's Very something cool. that is just, yeah, I have uh, the world on my shoulder, huh? world on my shoulder. <laughs> and then around it, uh, there's some good in this world and it's worth, and that's how much of an effect that had on me. So I, yeah. I'd have to say that that's probably my favorite. Movie. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, we kind of talked a little earlier, you were on the, uh, the new wave of writers for Sif Pop, um, and new kind of being in quotes at this point. Um, what was, what was kind of that thing that kind of made you take out and take that, uh, you know, take that next step, um, really getting involved in the Sif Pop writing community? Well, so, um, quick, quick aside. So when I was in college, I was in a fraternity and one of the ways that they said that, you know, the way that you're not going to, the way that you're going to recruit people is not by just putting a flyer up and just hoping people answer. Mm -hmm. That's literally how I got involved with Sipop. <laughs> I saw a tweet and I was like, why not? Let's, let's give it a shot. It's something that I had been interested in. Um, just movies have always been a passion of mine. So what better way to contribute? And I've been listening to Sipop specifically for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was something that I, you know, Dicer had sometimes said, you know, said some announcements, hey, we're looking for new writers. Um, I saw a tweet one day and just was inspired to reach out and to actually give it a shot. I was very surprised when you all got back to me because I've never had somebody reply to a tweet. So <laughs> so it was helpful, helpful and gave me that confidence. And nice. here I am. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things that you're right. Like you can't just create a Twitter account and say, hey, who wants to do this with me? <laughs> No, but it took it took so much time of building up and Blake had built connections with people on Instagram specifically to the point that when he kind of took off with recruiting writers, you know, it was a lot of Blake's influence and a lot of Dicer's influence on people throughout the years um, that really kind of got some buy in. But like then it was, you know, I would have never I never thought we would get so many responses. We actually took the tweet down within 24 hours because we just couldn't handle all the requests that were coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, now everybody we said yes to because that's kind of our philosophy here um, is everybody has something to give um, mm -hmm. and we should not deny anybody an opportunity but it's like if we have 20 people messaging us a day or whatnot like you know there was just, it was just like a crazy absurd amount of people but it, but 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 it was because there were so many people that had already aligned with the Sif Pop brand at a point they just needed to push so mm -hmm. uh, yeah what a crazy phenomenon you know, it's weird that you mentioned that quote you're like you can't just post a flyer and expect people to show up because you can't but it was just there was so much goodwill brought up there you know um and there's still more to be had and you know if we if we decide again maybe in a year or whatever to to do it again then that's all that's all good yeah so absolutely yeah for sure um yeah so then i got one more random question uh one thing not movie related that we're gonna we're gonna do before we go uh onto the show the main show um and this is gonna actually have to be uh Gonna have to have a predece predecessing question uh, for that. <laughs> okay, uh, Mike, do you like to cook? Uh, yes and no. Um, I I'm a notorious picky eater, but at the same time, I'll give most anything a shot. I actually work for a food ingredient place, so I've had to expand my palate a lot. 
uh, when it comes to eating, you know, different things more exotic than salt and pepper. So uh, <laughs> it's been it's been helpful in that sense. But uh, so I'll go sure. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, so what is your go to dish? If I say like, hey, um, I'm going to come over to your house tomorrow and you're going to cook me something. What are you going to make? Um. So, OK. So if I had the choice of making anything I want, it's um, it's my mom's recipe for spaghetti. You know, okay. just keep it. I'm having spaghetti tonight. There you go. So uh, spaghetti is a crowd pleaser. Spaghetti is uh, easy to make. Um, we've got some ingredients that we like to put in, you know, and it's it's something that I, I just like to share with people. So so spaghetti and garlic bread. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my go to has actually recently become Ram Dam. Uh, from Parasite. Um, and here's why. It tastes really good. It's unlike most things you've ever had. And it's very simple to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very simple. And so, like, especially because, like, I don't make everything from scratch. You know, like, uh, some people are like, yeah, well, you can make these from scratch. It's like, well, that's not the way it's intended. So, right. um, you boil two different kind, kind, of, kind of Korean ramen noodles that I always keep on hand. You boil them together and you put the sauce stuff together and you cook some steak and you throw the steak on top of it. And like, there's of course certain other like things that you throw in there, but like at the, at the very base, like I could have it made in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very simple. It's very quick it, 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 because it's the Korean noodles. It's unlike anything that most Americans have had. Um, Cause it's ramen noodles, but the flavoring is different. And um, yeah. And then I add a soft boiled egg on top uh, because I reached out to Jeremy from CinemaSins because he had been tweeting about how, how good it was. I was like, hey, I'm about to make this for the first time. Do you have any recommendations? Like, add a soft-boiled egg. And boy, was he right. Nice. Um, it's a nice. brilliant addition. So um, that's my go-to. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's it's simple. It's easy. It's exotic. It's new. Um, mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a good call on just trying to find something just different. And, and you um that's definitely something because if if I were going that route route up, my my mom is from the Philippines, so we would uh, I would probably try to do something uh, with a little bit of a Filipino flair uh, mm-hmm. to it. So uh, just well, and know, there's certainly things that I on. could there's yeah. certainly things I could cook up that like might be better, right? Uh, there's yeah. certainly things I can cook up that might be a little bit more like, oh wow, he really went all out. But it's like you've had these things before, or like I would have to, I would be stressing out about them when I said no, whatever. Yeah, uh, Ramdam is a good go-to, uh, especially you know it's just like me and my wife are too tired to really cook, but you know we don't really want to spend the money on going out, you know, or we've already gone over budget on going out. It's like Ramdam, let's let's go, fire it up. Yeah. Um. So and it, and it reheats surprisingly well. You know, ramen noodles don't always, but Ramdam does. It's okay. Well, we got three coming attractions we got to talk about. Uh, we got because we got the power of the dog coming out. This is a Netflix original. Uh, now I know I said last week that um, Tick Tick Boom was coming out, and look, apparently that was limited release, and that is coming out officially November nineteenth. So it's not quite on Netflix yet, but whatever. Netflix is always really vague and unspecific on these things, so it's always hard to find that information. My guess is the power of the dog is going to be a limited theatrical release this week and then we'll be on netflix next week but we're still going to talk about it because it's not out yet at least publicly although foster did already see it and wrote a review for sifpop.com so you can check out a review if you're interested because he saw it at new york film festival nice um so we got power of the dog ghostbusters which will be theaters only and king richard which will also be theaters only those are both as far as uh, as i know you know there's is always it, like is i thought king richard was supposed to be on hbo max well. I don't believe so. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. Um, I just don't really do all because like 
Oh, HBO Max. There you go. So, so in theaters and on HBO Max this Friday. HBO Max is always much easier because just what was made by Warner comes out in the same day. Much yep. easier than Netflix, but because Netflix is like, well, we want to get in the theater conversation, in the awards conversation. The award conversation, exactly. Yeah. And HBO just does its own. Right. And it's like, look, I'm sorry, but nobody is going to vote Red Notice for any award this year you know not with that attitude <laughs> i haven't seen it yet uh i want to because i'll watch anything that ryan reynolds is which it's... i will definitely talk about him later in the oh, spinoff so there we go come preview of coming attractions right yeah uh so which which film would you like to talk about first let's go with power of the dog first okay power of the dog this is a really interesting one for me um because i after reading foster's skimming foster's review um decided that i do not want to watch a trailer for this i just want to get into it um so normally i've seen the trailers um so i don't have anything to say other than what foster said and based off of the cast and some other things so we'll start off with uh, the synopsis for this film um like we already mentioned this being produced by netflix should be available yeah it looks like december 1st on the streaming platform but it looks like it's going to be hitting theaters um, here soon. Uh, charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and in awe in those around him. When his brother brings, brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. This is uh, based off of, bo- of a book by uh, written by a guy named uh, Thomas. It's either Savage or Savage. I don't know. It's spelt the same. Um, uh, written in the screenplay uh, as well uh, as the director for this film is uh, Jane Campion. Um, trying to look at probably the the piano might be the thing she's most known for. Um, so lots of uh, not not really too much. Um, mm-hmm. there I'm I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like oh but she did that and that. Like, whatever. I don't recognize. Uh, starring uh Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith McGee, Jesse Plemons. Um, I mean more people, but that's kind of the that's kind that's of the your, big ones. Those are your those are your headliners. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, all right, Mike, barring, barring everything related with COVID, um, all that, um, you know, barring anything having to do with the budget, the only thing holding you back from seeing this movie, uh, is your free will. Uh, let's also say this is exclusively theaters, um, and you don't know when it's going to hit a streaming service. So all that, that, you know, barring nothing except for your own free will and volition, how excited are you for this movie? Do you think you would go opening weekend, wait for a discount night, wait till you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in seeing The Power of the Dog? So I would go with, I would see it on a discount night, and simply because I want to support anything that Benedict Cumberbatch is in. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to at least give that a shot. And correct me if I'm wrong, he, he hasn't been in a lot of Westerns or anything like that, or barely any, maybe? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, off the top of my head. So... We're expanding a little bit and trying to see if he can do something different from a uh, from a genre perspective. So I'm interested in that. I I love Jesse Plemons. I will I will throw money at most things that Jesse Plemons is in. So I definitely want to do that as well. But if it's I'm not really a huge westerns fan, but I will at least give it a shot for for those two those two alone. Yeah, I'm gonna be right with you in a discount night. Uh, I'm with you. I westerns are not my genre. Uh, I have no d- interest in uh, most westerns, uh, but I do love the the western renaissance because it feels like westerns only get made if they're going to be good at this point. Because we're kind of, I feel like most of society is kind of out of the idea of like not really interested in seeing a western because 
you can just go watch the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Like, uh, right. Um, there's no reason for you to watch this new one. But I feel like with kind of this, the modern renaissance of like, uh, um, you know, specifically thinking of like James Mangold stuff, um, like Three Ten to Yuma, mm-hmm. or like the Magnificent Seven remake. Like, I feel like there's like some really good stuff. So True Grit, um, like just some really good stuff. If you want to call Logan one. Um, uh there's some really good stuff coming out there so i love modern westerns uh, i haven't seen the new idris elba one on netflix but i will because it's idris elba yep. um so like i feel like they kind of have to be intentionally made at this point uh and so it's got to be good if they're gonna make it yep. um so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thoughts um and benedict cumberbatch and jesse penlins is obviously a bright shining star for me to at least be in the i'm going to see this probably sooner rather than later mm-hmm. uh camp um, yeah it's it unfortunately is going to take a lot for me to go see things on opening weekend unfortunately Mm -hmm. they have to be more of i hate to say it an event movie okay uh, to go see it on opening weekend so unfortunately that means your superhero movies your star wars movies you know different or something that i i myself am really really interested in going to see space jam 2 i guess on opening weekend so but but this one is is definitely one that yeah that was that hurt my heart to hear (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, and because because that was one that was also available on HBO Max, and I decided, you know what, let's go see this in theaters. And then about halfway through it, as like, God oh. intended, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I as I love God it. and Martin Scorsese intended. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this first Space Jam, and then the second Space Jam happened, and then that's it. You know? Yeah, we watched the first Space Jam, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I haven't seen the second one. There's no way you can get me to watch it. Um, you're, you're not missing anything, unfortunately. But yeah, the power, <laughs> power of the dog is definitely one. Um, no, I, I agree with you in a lot of what you said when it comes to Westerns. You know, like they're they're now like feel like a showcase genre. So yeah. you're you're not going to see a lot of they're not going to be mass produced in the same way that that they are. And, you know, this is this is based on an existing property. It was based yes. on a book versus, you know, a, a remake of some type. So, you know, there's already going to be some type of following for it. So mm-hmm. um, I also have not seen the trailer for this yet. Uh, you know, I've read the cool. synopsis and, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is somebody that I'm really interested in seeing more of what he has to offer. So, so sure. Yeah. Discount, discount night for the win. Yeah, uh, my only last thought is, um, well, first of all, I want to also add Hateful Eight and Django Unchained. I love both of those films as well um, into the West modern Westerns that I love. Um, so, uh, uh, but the, the last thing I want to know is I follow only a few hockey people on Twitter. Um, and one of them is a writer for my team. And um, uh, he has been reading The Power of the Dog. Um, and he finished it and he said it was absolutely excellent, but it was a hard read because it's very dark and it's very, so like expect that. So I guess probably trigger warning for lots of things. I don't know what specifically, but he says, you know, it's, it's very dark. It's very like gritty. It's very like, these are not good people, all that. But he's like, but it's an excellent story with excellent characters. And he really loved it. And this is apparently the first part of a trilogy. I don't know if that means they're going to make all the movies or if they're going to try to, you know, turn the trilogy into one um you know one film could we be expecting a power of the dog part one you know in the middle in the middle of watching in the middle of the opening credits yeah yeah slide that casually in there i don't know i like like there's two ways you can go with this you can go with this to be like look we're just gonna make the first part and then that'll be it or we're gonna make the first part with opportunities to open up a second but we're not gonna sequel bait it or you could be like we're gonna make this as part one of the existing trilogy um 
depending, uh, you know, and just go for it and, you know, viewership be damned. Um, right. So I, um, I think, uh, I, I don't know what to think. And uh, Foster obviously knows the answer. And I'm sure the director has has said, um, I'm, I'm sure that there is an answer out there. I just don't want to know, I don't think. Because after seeing something like Dune and, you know, or even looking at like the, the Predator reboot from a couple years ago, like, I, I just don't think I want to know, right? Like, I know that there is more, but I, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be more. Um, they could take the first story and just say, well, the second and third books aren't as good. Or they could be like, yeah, but they're all kind of their own individual contained stories. And so we can revisit these characters or this setting or whatever is recurring. It could Maybe it's an anthology. I don't know. Um, but I do know this is the first part of a trilogy of books. I don't have any, sor- any information on if this is the first part of a trilogy of movies but uh that's the last thing to know but also again like probably lots of trigger warnings for lots of things um but you know jesse clemens is got trigger warnings for most of his stuff um yeah for sure so um yeah i will be checking this out um probably just on netflix and uh but probably like as soon as i possibly can on netflix i'm very excited for this one but yeah not not quite enough and again i haven't seen the trailer but it, after the way that foster wrote about it it's like no nah, i want this to be as fresh as possible call. we'll call foster's article my my thing and my uh based on the anticipatory but i also know john paula saw it cuz he was at the film festival and he did not like it so i know one per- two people have seen it one of them loved it and one of them did not so all right it's polarizing to say the least so good to yes. know um all right let's talk about Go- uh king richard next because that is the other streaming and theater film uh coming out uh this um is the new will smith film as we mentioned will be on hbo max same day um starring uh yeah starring will smith like i said as well as uh john berthal in there um if i am deep would load uh john berthal uh looks like um i'm not even gonna try Um, (laughs) no uh several other people uh, will smith is playing uh venus and serena williams's father um richard williams so king richard um tony goldwin in here um kevin dunn wow dad from transformers making an appearance uh, <laughs> uh, quite, uh quite the pull there <laughs> directed by reynaldo marcus green uh of monsters and men probably is his most most known uh joe bell came out uh last year that mark Wahlberg uh film directed that as well um and zach balin wrote this um let's see what he's got to his uh side effects art department okay um he's writing creed 3 at least he's part of the writing team. um so yeah so he looks like he's been like set set dresser props stuff like that for several things including dave chappelle's block party um, hey look at that yeah and it looks like just king richard um creed 3 that's really it so not much to his name but he's been an art department this is his first first for uh journey into writing uh all right same scale king richard um open uh, nothing but your free will holding you back let's imagine this is a theater exclusive as well would you go opening weekend would you go uh discount night would you go uh rent wait till you can rent it at home um wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for or are you not interested i'm gonna go with streaming service for this one and for for a couple reasons on this one one the uh the recent will smith movies have been hit or miss to say to say the least so Will Smith is no longer the draw that um, that he used to be. Yeah, uh, this isn't know, like Pursuit hand. of Happiness and uh, yeah, like that era Will Smith. No, it's it's definitely not. Um, I guess for me, I think one of the big things that's keeping me from really wanting to see this 
I guess I would much rather see a movie specifically about Venus and Serena Williams mm. versus their father. And I I understand if you know the father their father played a big role in in coming up you know they're coming up when it comes to uh, tennis. However, I think I would much rather just see a story about those two versus seeing seeing this this part of the story. I guess that's probably where I land ultimately on it. And for for just in general sports biopics to some extent or another, it's it's got to be something that. I'm I'm really interested in you know tennis is not something that I I actively pursue I you know I will watch it if there's nothing else on but I will still keep up with it but for for titans like Serena and Venus Williams uh, to it feels like they're being sidelined a little bit in their in their own prominent story I I would much rather see a story featuring those two versus versus their dad. That's fair. Um, that's a really good point to bring. And that's probably my hesitation as well. I'm going to go ahead and land in rent. I'm a little higher than you on this. Cause I think that this looks powerful. Um, I think this looks like it could be a really well-made movie that it could be a really good time that it prop. I don't know the message is trying to say, cause I think that, you know, obviously they want you to experience it while watching the film. Um, I don't know what the story is. Um, it may be a story not really worth telling, but my guess is it probably is. And, uh, um, so I, I don't, I don't really know, but this also kind of looks a little bit awards baity. Um, this, this kind of looks like the give Will Smith his Oscar. Um, he's been nominated for Ali in the pursuit of happiness. This almost looks like his, um, it almost looks like it was kind of written as a Will Smith vehicle to get an Oscar. And yep. sometimes that's attractive and sometimes that's not, um, uh, you know, I, it, it kind of like you, I'm not really interested in tennis. I, I don't mind playing it, but. I, I'll watch a pass or I'll watch a, I'll watch them a, a game, uh, a match. If they, uh, if there's not really anything going on, um, you know, like my parents don't have cable. So if I'm at their house and there's nothing really on, then I'll just, yeah, I'm sure maybe watch some tennis while I eat breakfast or something. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about tennis. Um, and uh, look, if, if Emma Stone and Steve Crow couldn't get me to watch battle of the sexes, then I won't. Really um, but I, but I, it's not, it's not for lack of interest in that movie. It's just like, I'm not interested in a movie about tennis necessarily. Um, yeah. Back Back to the awards Beatty movies, you know, I, I did kind of get that vibe a little bit and what the, the last couple, you know, there's pursuit, pursuit of happiness. Uh, and then the, the other Ali that you were mm-hmm. talking about. Um, I mean, the last couple were what concussion that came out not too long ago. That was felt a little awards Beatty. And he didn't then, get nominated for it, but yeah, it kind of felt that way. And then, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it, but I saw the trailers. And well, and the last Will Smith movie that I saw that uh, had a trailer that felt a little awards baity was Collateral Beauty, and I'm not getting mm. burned by that again. So no, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's also. Um, oh, let's see. No way he was going for awards in Bad Boys or Gemini Man or Aladdin. But then, or, like, or also, also something like Seven Pounds as well yeah seven yeah pounds seven pounds is probably the last one that felt really awards baby probably yeah you're right concussion probably in there as well yeah so although i i did enjoy concussion i thought it was good and for a sports story that was really important to tell especially at that time when that was a really prevalent thing that the nfl was dealing with still currently is dealing with to some extent or another that was mm-hmm. a story that i was definitely interested in and um yeah so I'm a little wary of the Will Smith vehicles that are a little bit awards baity to some extent. Well, and you're right. Let's let's look at his run. Like he he really launched with Fresh Prince, uh, obviously. 
Um, but kind of at the end of that run, he does Bad Boys. And then he does Independence Day. And then he does the first Men in Black. And then he does his music career takes off. So he does a bunch of that stuff. And then he does Ali. Like, that's four great films in a row. But then he follows that up with Men in Black 2 and Bad Boys 2, which I hate. Um, iRobot, Shark Tale, Hitch. Um, there you go. A little bit of little bit of positive going. Pursuit of Happiness. I Am Legend. Uh, well, oh, Wild Wild West was also thrown in. Got it. So not four in a row. It's just in the middle of I'm all so, his stuff. So. I'm so glad that you you decided to throw that one in there. But the uh, it, it seems like everything took a little bit of a turn with with Hancock because Hancock yeah. was a little. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Uh, you know, I'm kind of split down the middle. I thought the first half of Hancock was good. The second yep. half was. That's the weird. That's it. <laughs> was weird. Um, but then after Hancock is when things start to get a little dicey for Will Smith's uh, acting, to say the least. Because because after that you got Seven Pounds, Men in Black Three, which yep, I love Men in Black Three. I'll say it. It's not better than the first one, but I love it. I think it's a darn good movie. I, I applaud your brave. You know, true truth. It's mostly both. it's mostly because I love Josh Brolin as Agent K. That's, that's fair. I will. I will give you that. And you know, Men in Black Three, it at least was better than Men in Black Two. And Men in Black Two was just uh, a big yep. disappointment to say the least. But after Men in Black Three is After Earth, Winter's Tale. Did you ever see Winter's Tale? Nah. Uh, that was a uh, that was an interesting movie. And it so it was, it so was yeah. The point those, is like yeah, this isn't yeah. the Will Smith of the early two thousands. This isn't the Will Smith of the late nineties. This is you're right. He's kind of hit or miss at this point. You know, for every. Gemini Man and Bad Boys 3 are both middle of the road movies. Uh, for every, um, you know, Men in Black, there's an After Earth. For every right. um, Ali, there's a Wild Wild West, you know. So he's not really the draw anymore. But yeah, this looks like, and it would be hard to say this might be the start of the of his renaissance. Um, but like, he's got like five things that he's involved with. I don't know. You know, one of them is Bad Boys 2, 4, and one of them is Bright 2. So like, you know, and I, I think DC wants to bring him back as Deadshot. Um, so like, you know, which I'm all for, I think I, I thought he was yeah. a bright spot in the original movie and it was, yeah, absolutely. Bright spots. um, you know, I just, um, yeah, you're right. This, this film is going to be made or break by Will Smith. Um, actually, no, no, sorry. It will not be made of it. It will be based off of how the production company is trying to treat him in the movie, how the editing is yeah. going to reflect him and all that. Um, and I get that this is the titling it King Richard is going to be more about him than it is the Williams sisters, but um, yeah, you're right. I'm just, I, I, yeah, I, I'll be checking this out probably on HBO Max. Uh, I probably yeah. won't rush to check it out, but look, I think there's enough here that I want to check it out. Um, but uh, I'm in no hurry. Yeah. I, in fact, I, the more I, we've talked about this, I'm probably down to just like rent at home. Yeah, um, I think. You know, I think that's where I was actually. Yeah. So the the sports, you know, the sports aspect of it is definitely a draw for me. Uh, and again, just I, I'm very interested to see what they do with you know the Venus and Serena side of it. So I'll I'll probably watch it for that. But you know, it's probably something that I'll probably get the email from HBO Max that says you know last chance for this, and be like, oh yeah, I should probably check that out sure. before before it goes goes away. All right, and then we got to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, it's a 2021 21 movie, obviously starring uh, uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, McKenna Grace. Sexiest man alive. Oh yeah, 100%. 2021. Paul Rudd. <laughs> 100%. Uh, Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, Sigourney Reaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, all the original still alive Ghostbusters still coming back. Um, Annie Potts as well. Um, do you think they're going to try to like shoehorn in an Ivan Reitman cameo? 
I, an Ivan Reitman cameo and an Harold and a Harold Ramis cameo as well. I oh sorry, Harold, Harold Ramis. Uh, Reitman directed the original. Oh, either um, either way, both of them. You know, you could shoot. Well, but really. he didn't. He wasn't a face in it. No, no, he wasn't. Right. So yeah, sorry, Harold, I meant Harold, Harold Ramis. Sorry, apologies. It's all good. Um, uh, but I don't know, man. I hope not. I, I really hope not. I, I hope it seems like they're gonna give him his due uh, when it comes to this, but. Um, I, I'm a little on the fence about these posts, you know. How would you feel? How would you feel if they worked it into the story? Like the reason the Ghostbusters disbanded was because Harold Ramis died in a ghost See, hunting that, accident, and then that, that that would be okay, right? That I'd be I'd be fine with that. But if we get like a secret hologram message where you know Harold Ramis is like, <laughs> help help me, everyone, you're my only hope, then or or he makes I, a video and he's like, all right, look, if, if, if these ghosts come back, you know, like Jamie Kennedy and scream Two. Oh my so. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if we're dealing with anything like that, then I, I, I would not be on board with that. But if it's, you know, if we're doing, if I think the scenario that you laid out, it would be a fitting tribute to him because I think his, his presence will definitely be missed. In, yes, in this, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I just feel like if you're going to introduce the three, they're going to—he's going to be at least brought up, and it might be, oh, he's on vacation or something. Um, but like that would be a really interesting, like, because the Ghostbusters are clearly not a thing anymore; they're clearly a thing of the past, which is going to be interesting for them to try to explain. Because especially after the events of Ghostbusters two and the <laughs> first one, you know, like both, like uh, this, they should be celebrities. They were celebrities at the start of Ghostbusters two, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on? Ghostbusters answering the call. Oh, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't. I far from love it, but I don't hate it. I think it's probably like uh, high side. It didn't uh, low side of like low side of okay. That's where I'll go. Yeah, low side. Of yeah, okay. I I would have to agree with that. And it's got I, some laughs, but ultimately it's an incoherent mess. Yeah, and forty yeah. percent of the jokes land, but when they land, they really land. So, uh, but that's what happened when you put the funniest women on the planet in one movie. So. Yep. Um, and Paul Feig, who is just great about letting people improv and stuff do like their that. thing. Yeah. Just yep. You, you um, do you, and I will. Uh, I will cut when I feel right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get let's get into this uh, uh, this official. Um, Jason Reitman is kind of heading this, but Gil Keenan is also uh, writing this. Uh, <clears throat> anticipation level. Where are you where are you going to land? I love the original Ghostbusters. I even kind of like the second Ghostbusters, even though it's not. It's it's uh, its own quirky thing. Um, I this this to me will be a opening weekend movie. Nostalgia probably is the biggest driver for me uh, to want to see this on opening weekend. Uh, but another big reason I'm a big fan of Jason Reitman, um, and mm-hmm. he he fought this for a long time. He didn't want to be involved with this for the longest time. So I want to see what was what was the thing that ultimately drove him to come back to to this property, which his father was so involved with. So again, you know, between up in the air, thank you for smoking. Um, big fans of both of those movies. And Juno's um, his best work. Yeah. So I, I ultimately, I want to see what this is all about. Um, I'm a little confused about what are we doing here? Are we, you know, young Avenger, young <laughs> Avengering this to some extent or another? Are, are what are we doing with this? How are we, are we trying to propel this and, you know, bring it forward or are we just doing this just to do it? So I'm curious about all of that, which ultimately lands me on seeing this opening. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to run with there. Look, I'm going to go see this opening weekend for sure. 
Um, it's just a matter of will I see it opening weekend or, you know, like, will I wait till the, like, will I actually get around? Like, look, my own free will and volition, you know, if I got a clear schedule and, fit, you know, fits the budget and all that, all that, you know, kind of things I said to get out of the way opening week, uh, opening weekend for sure, just because it has Ghostbusters in the name and it has the original cast returning. Um, but like, actually, like I, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant um, because, because I think that casting Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace were the safest possible opportunities because they are the go-to. First of all, Finn Wolf- Wolfhard is the most go-to male child actor at this point. Um, and I don't think he's quite earned that status. I think he's just a very recognizable people will bring him in because he's clearly the lead of Stranger Things. I think he's totally fine. He's totally good. But, you know, I like to me, like probably Jacob Tremblay is the best like young actor um, coming up. And McKenna Grace is phenomenal. I really love her and everything I see her in. She's adorable. She's charming. She's delightful. She's everything she needs to be. But it's just these were the two most safe picks you could have possibly done. And it almost is off-putting in, in a way. But like you mentioned with Jason Reitman kind of fighting doing this because he didn't want to be like, you know, following in the shadow of his father's shadow, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I I think that does definitely says something. And Paul Rudd feels perfect for a Ghostbusters movie. Yes, he does. And Carrie Coon is a great cast. You're bringing back the originals, but you're not just bringing back the Ghostbusters. You're bringing back Annie Potts as well. Like... Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver. Well, well, yeah. yeah. Those are, because, yeah, those, I'm very curious how they're going to fold them into the mix to some extent or another. Just Bill Murray's just general attitude about redoing Ghostbusters has been problematic, to say the least. Not, Not to say that, like, it's a huge problem that he doesn't want to be in it. He's an actor. He can make his own choices. But it's something that, it's. it just seems clear, like, he just wants to put this to bed. And for... For him to be involved with this to some extent or another, I have hope, but I've, I got to admit also my expectation level for this is probably not very high, uh, but it's still something that I'm interested in seeing just also for the completionist in me to want to see something just to round out an entire franchise. This, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I think uh all right, so here's here's the biggest difference. Um, I wasn't really excited for the 2016 Ghostbusters film, but that film felt like a we can, so we're going to. This one feels like a we don't need to, but we're going to. Um, it feels like a there's actually something here, not just like hey, we have the rights to this property. Uh, does anybody want to do anything with it? Versus like you you got to know you got to feel like they were really selective after 2016, and really it was only ever going to happen if Jason Reitman was involved and he could convince Bill Murray to come back, um, even if it was a limited role. Um, but playing actually Peter Venkman. So, yeah. Um, so, um, okay. I think that's all there is to say about that. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, Paul Rudd and, J- and Jason Reitman are for sure kind of the, they've, they've earned the benefit of the doubt until you know, Paul, yes. Paul Rudd, the ageless wonder and Jason Reitman, he's got a solid, solid book so far. So I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely give my money to them until, until they don't earn it. Anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we're going to move on to the, uh, SIF topic. Uh, we got some TV to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, since we're doing the B plot on the streaming services, we're just going to like hold off on that question. Um, I th- and I thought maybe let's, maybe let's take this question and put it up front. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite TV show of all time? Uh, so I told you that I'm still wrestling with this. So, um, pretty sure you got to pick one. I know I got to <laughs> pick one. I got to pick one. 
you know, for the long, I kind of did this with the favorite TV show just to, or favorite movie, just to give it an honorable mention. But for the longest time, my favorite TV show was Friends. And that hasn't aged well. Yeah. It just, so it's kind of taken a little bit of a back burner. And oh yeah, 100%. Since, since we're, I feel like we're in this golden age of just great TV right now. And I, I got to admit that my favorite show of all time is The Americans. Oh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I uh, the Americans was one that I binged over the summer. Uh, I you know decided to check it out on on a whim, and I I went through that show really quick and kind of similar to Breaking Bad. That show got better and better and better each season. Yes, um, absolutely. So it flew, flew and, a little and bit. I want to add. Yeah, go ahead. Top five series finales of all time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just yeah. So if if you haven't checked out the Americans, um, I mean, what it's been, it's been what, three, five years since it went off the air. Um, and I, it finally started to get a little bit more recognition from like an Emmy standpoint. Um, Matthew Reese with well-deserved uh, Emmy win for, you know, that felt a little bit like a lifetime achievement uh, for, for the whole series as, because just never got the recognition for it. But yeah, the, the Americans, just a great show, especially in an age when, you know, Going back to the 80s was not like a prevalent thing mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Um, and to just try to do something different with the spy genre as well. So, you know, I it just it was compelling. The action was was good. I, I'm a huge fan of Carrie Russell as well. And I cared about a lot of the characters as well. So. Um, so, yeah, that's the Americans for, for all those reasons. That is favorite show of all time. That's a good pick, man. FX had such a really incredible run uh because justified premiered a season before that and a season before that sort of sons of anarchy like those three shows on the same time like i i firmly believe that fx had the best programming in the early 2010s for yeah, sure it, well also just the just programming that was never like it was widely viewed as like great shows but never just recognized from like an emmy standpoint or anything like that yeah justified needed more awards for sure yeah yeah for sure um, good. Very good answer. Love that. Love that. Um, all right. So, uh, so what are some things that you've been watching? Like, this might be very short cause I don't really have much, um, because I've been playing a lot of video games. I've been watching some movies and whatnot. And I've, I'll, I'll actually kick us off here. Uh, cause this will be brief. Um, I've talked for, so, for several episodes uh, on and off, uh, about how I've been rewatching this early 2000s NBC show called Las Vegas, which I have such nostalgia for cause I was watching it when it was on and, uh, um, I've been rewatching it and this show in a lot of ways doesn't hold up, but gosh, I really love it. I really enjoy it. It's, 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 it's sometimes a little bit too CW. Uh, but for the most part, like, I think it's fascinating just looking from a societal like aspect and it, it, it kind of each episode allows to be a bottle episode because you deal with main characters that are, um, managing a restaurant in a casino or managing the security in a casino or managing like the concierge and all that. So you kind of get to do these bottle episodes where it's like, let's just take one and focus on the security, having to solve some crime, like play to Texas. And it's a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun to see kind of the tech that they're using and the way that they can solve things. And it's just like, gosh, I I'm curious to see how much it's advanced in the last 15 years since the show has been on the air because of, um, uh, the, um, like they were using flip phones in the show. And it's like, look how far we've come. So obviously all of this is outdated. So um, anyway, I finally finished it. And I wanted to say I finished it because uh, first of all, I feel like this is the show that I love that um, nobody has ever heard of. 
<laughs> so I've, I've heard of it. I've just have never caught it. It was a show that, you know, you know, when you see a preview for a show and you're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that eventually. And then you just never do, you know, like, is this a, like, what, how, how can you see, how can you watch this show now? You can't. You really can't um, because it's not available to buy on any of your digital platforms. It's not available to stream on any of your digital platforms, which is weird because it's an NBC show. You think that they would throw it on Peacock um, or you think it at least be available on iTunes to buy. Um, you have to buy the DVDs, which if you want to buy the American versions, they're really expensive. Or you can buy a bundle of them for like $100 on, uh, on eBay, but they're released in Australia, which are like all regions. But like it won't play on my Xbox, but it'll play on my PlayStation 3. And it should play on most DVD players. So, like, you're gonna have to spend money to to be able to watch it. Um, it's either it's either that, or I may have to venture or make a trip to my local library for that. Maybe potentially. Um, yeah. So um, the yes, yeah, so I feel like anyway. I, I, I feel after rewatching it, I realized that it's probably because, especially the first season they always had like a musical guest star. So they'd have like the black eyed peas on for a little bit. And then the, the episodes would always end with the musical guest star performing a song. Um, not every episode, but I'd say the majority of them for the first, probably two seasons. That's what how, that's how it was. Um, and my guess is they have lost, like they don't have the rights to most of those songs streaming. And so that is just more complicated to just not air it than it would be to, to do that. But I hope this show gets the treatment that, if it ever does get put on Peacock, that all of a sudden a bunch of people revisit it, and uh, and then that kind of pushes for it, it ended during the White Rider strike, so there's a big finale and oh, there's no okay. conclusion. So um, and and it got canned by NBC, but it still had like good numbers. It's just not good NBC numbers. It was like uh, um, like they were still getting like 13 million views or 8 million views an episode. It's like okay, how is that not good? Um, I, f- but I feel it, like I feel like a lot of NBC shows fall under that category like another show that's like that it was chuck you know chuck never never got it's it's due because of the lack of viewership but it always got saved because there was always this mass campaign from a ravenous fan base right right right. and the writer's strike was just not going to stop anybody so um anyway so but but also like this is a really this is a really fun show to watch because it's very much like when you watch curb your enthusiasm like the old episodes or like band of brothers because there's a lot of people who are like A-listers that just like appear for a guest appearance. And they were a nobody at the time. Like one of the episodes I watched recently had Frank Grillo in it. And it was like, that's Frank Grillo. And like Dean Kane has a small recurring role. Um, there there was an episode that had, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on some of the people. But like there was a lot of just like, like Sylvester Stallone was in it, was in an episode. This, now it's probably because uh, James Kahn was on the first four seasons, and so he probably just pulled a favor and was like, "Hey, Sly, come on over." And he's like, "All right." All right. Uh, Alec Baldwin was in a couple episodes um, uh, in the first season. Um, there was somebody who uh, yeah, I can't remember his name, but I know he's popular. Um, yeah, uh, looking, I think I think it, I think Dennis Hopper. Yeah, looking looking through this, Tom Selleck was in a bunch of episodes. He was so. he was in the fifth season. He replaced James Kahn. Yeah. Um, I gotta find this because there's gotta be an article there that's just like, hey, all these people. Uh, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, here we go. Celebrity appearances. Um, yeah, Terry Bradshaw, Alec Baldwin, um, Rachel Lee Cook is in a couple episodes. Rachel Lee Cook. Right? Oh. Um, Elliot Gold uh, appears. Um, let's see. Uh, Paris Hilton, of course. Uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper. Uh, John Lovitz. Um, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, that was a Crossing Jordan 
like crossover. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Sean Astin, um, and uh, Sarah Clark. Oh, uh, Sarah, yeah, Sarah Clark. Um, tons of musical stuff. Big and Rich, Clint Black, Black Eyed Peas, James Blunt. Uh, who's in the finale? But uh, Chris Angel, John Bon Jovi, Brooks and Dunn, Michael Bublé. Um, this is definitely gosh, a like, 2000s TV show. I know, right? But like, <laughs> I just wanted to bring all that up to say that, like, holy cow! Like rewatching this, it's like when you watch um, old episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and like Zachary Levi is just like a bellhop in an episode, and you're like, that's Zachary Levi. He's like a really popular guy now. Um, anyway, so that was that was a lot of fun for me, yeah, to see to see like Frank Grillo and all that. So, um, but anyway, I'm done talking about the show uh, show now because I finished my rewatch. I still really liked it. If it ever hits Peacock, you should for sure check it out. Or if you ever, you know, get, get your hands on the DVDs, I'd really recommend it. Um, understand it's from 2005 and it takes place in Las Vegas. So like the women aren't treated the best, but like, it's kind of the point, right? Las right. Vegas. Um, so, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to just go ahead and sit down and finish it, so that way I can. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to start or continue the Sopranos next, or if I'm going to just start Secession and then I'll do the Sopranos. But I think I'm going to go ahead and just do Sopranos since I've already started it. It's just been yeah. months since I've seen it, so and then I'll well, do Secession. We'll we'll get to Secession. A little. I figured because because it was it's airing now, and I was just like I could watch Secession and probably be caught up by the time the finale's on. But yep. but I've already started uh, Sopranos, so I feel like that's going to be the one I go to. Uh, anyway, so there's my Las Vegas thing. Um, I can finally you know stop talking about it. Um, it's okay. Uh, what's something that you've been watching that you want to talk about? So, uh, something that I have been watching lately. So, uh, the two shows that I've been watching recently, um, the morning show, uh, season Mm -hmm. two and succession. So, um, I have not seen, I did not watch any of succession over the last two seasons. So I'm playing catch up right now in hopes that I will be ready for the finale when that does come on for season three. If is season three, the final season. I do or not, is it? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, what I've seen so far has been has been good. Maybe not the groundbreaking show that I thought it was going to be. Um, Brian, Brian Cox is just chewing that scenery up, and just the the gravity in his voice, uh, just it just always makes me kind of like sit up a little bit more and just be like, oh, you're you're talking now, and you yeah. you show command of not only the screen but just this family in general. Um, it's it's tough to get through sometimes though because i you know kind of how dicer's big thing with uh mobster movies or gang movies is that is it like, glorifies them yeah yeah well this this is a show where who am i supposed to be rooting for at the end of the day because all these people are are just rough people and so it, it's it's been interesting to you know just Catching up with all of this, I've got a lot of friends who sing sing their praises about this show. So, uh, you know, it'd be very curious to just get to talk with them a little bit more about, you know, what's been working on this show, what hasn't um, so far. And it's in a day and age where, uh, you know, news media is just and the effects that it has on society, um, not not something we're dealing with now or anything like that. So, um, so it's been it's been interesting to see that from a fictionalized standpoint. Uh, when that's just such a huge topic of the media's effect on um, on just day to day lives uh, and politics and everything like that, so it, that's just been interesting to see. Um, the morning show season two, um, the season finale for season two is uh, just comes on this Friday, so I'll be curious to see how this 
ends up, this second season has been a little choppy uh, because there's just so many different stories. And this has been kind of like a recap of 2020, which, and 2020 is not the best year to do a recap on because 2020 was just not the best year in a right. lot of different ways. So it's it's very curious to see you know, what kind of prompted them to make those decisions to just, you know, let's focus on, you know, the the politics, let's focus on cancel culture, let's focus on, on COVID, you know, mm-hmm. what, what better thing to talk about in 2021 than 20 in for 2020, than COVID's effect on just everything. So um, I'll be very curious to see how it wraps up. Um, the, the first season had a, you know, I kind of did the same thing with six with uh, the morning show that I did with Succession. I watched the first season now. I, I didn't watch it when it first came out. So to watch it now and then get right into season two, it, it's just a bit jarring to see where mm. they end up in season one versus what they're doing in season two. So very curious to see how it's it's going to pan out. But yeah, those are the main two that I've been watching. This lately. is a show that I don't think I'm ever going to watch. And, and here's why. is because people were saying... When it first came out, people, those and and Apple dropped the you know it was a launch show. It was kind of their big launch show. People didn't really like it because it yeah. didn't really because my understanding is it didn't really get good until like episode four or five. And so why would you consider watching it? You know if 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 three episode test right? Um, and it just wasn't especially with the star power it had lined up. My understanding was it it was nowhere near as good as it should be. My, and then kind of if you're saying season two is also choppy on whether it's good or not, this feels like Apple's attempt to reboot the newsroom but yeah sans sorkin so sans any of the gravitas he brings any of the like big heavy hitting moments that they can it sounds like this is apple's attempt at people really want the newsroom to come back so let's bring back the newsroom but it sounds like it's half the show that it should be well Um, the the big thing with the morning show is like particularly season one it had a clear focus and that was mm. That was Steve Steve Carell, um, who who's this anchor on this morning show, you know, kind of playing a Matt Lauer esque character, and just the effects that his behavior has, not only on set but just kind of just as this whole thing is unfolding before a national audience as well. So it had a clear focus in that sense, and that's a story that you know I'm I'm interested in hearing about. Not so much specifically Steve Carell because Steve Carell, who you know. He's got a lot of range, and it just this is just him at his just absolute cringiest, just mm. in terms of just you're you're a terrible person. So to see to see the that effect that he has, uh, just not only on on the audience as a whole, but just you know his coworkers, his family, um, and just how he treats them as well. You're just waiting to see what's going to happen with him and then ultimately what does happen to him at the end of this at the end of season one it's like oh okay well cool and then you see the after effects of what happens in season two and just it's it's just very uneven and just kind of weird how all of that just comes together so i i was interested more in the season one focus you know just behind the whole me too movement which you know got a lot of press and a lot of publicity from from this series which i think is a very relevant and a very important story to tell and yeah. then to take that and to see what they've done in season two has been perplexing a little bit to say the least yeah it does feel like uh it does feel like that's kind of dropped off of consciousness um with everything else going on um you know all the million different things it seems like every 
every month there's a new thing to fight for. Um, yep. And so it just kind of feels like that's one of those things. But it also kind of feels like that initial wave of the Me Too movement, and then they kind of tried to transition it to the Time's Up movement, and I don't, I don't really know that that really stuck. But it just seems like I'm sure there are more bad guys out there. I'm positive of that. Um, but it just kind of feels like at least the attitude has been like, we got them. They're gone. You know, there are no more Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, like, you know, these people that have, you know, but, but like that uh, reality is that's not true at all. Right. Um, sure. Maybe the, maybe the worst of the worst are gone, but like, I'm sure there are other people that don't deserve to, um, to have the, the status that they have in Hollywood. So, right. um, uh, so, you know, uh, that's great that it's bringing light to that. Uh, by the way, I wanted to point out Secession has been renewed for season four. So season three is not the series finale. I just didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know if they had a plan like Ted Lasso season three is going to be the last. So, the, um, so I didn't know I'm, if they had a plan. I'm I'm a little skeptical about that because if if it keeps making money and it keeps I, I get that that's the story that they they want to tell that three three story arc. But money is a powerful thing. And if. And if Apple's got deep pockets enough and they really want to hone in on another story, we'll see. But I think we'll get a spinoff. I don't think that we're going to be done because I think the show has too much popularity. But I think we're going to get a spinoff that is going to exclude characters and is going to exclude some of the crew that firmly believe in that. You know, we we set out to tell a three season story and we're going to tell it. So, but but I think we'll get a spinoff. You know, maybe we get. Uh, um, you know, maybe we follow uh, Roy Kent or uh, Roy and Keeley or um, or whatever Rebecca's next adventures are. Maybe we follow Sam or maybe we follow um, Coach Beard or something. Uh, maybe we follow Ted Lasso going back to America. I don't know. It just uh, I, I, I don't feel like we're done with this universe. I just I think it's too popular. Uh, you're right. But I think that they're going to stick to their gu- guns and say, no, we plan for three seasons because that's every intention makes it seem that way. So, OK, um, I hope not. I, ho- I, I hope not. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Since last time recording, I watched Squid Game. Um, I'd seen the first two episodes by the time we recorded last. It almost feels irrelevant at this point, even though they just announced a season two. Um, look, Squid Game's fine. It's a good show. Um, it's it's just probably not quite as good as it should have been or as it could have been. Um, a lot of it's pretty predictable. Um, there's always the like, w- whenever you get these kind of movies or these kind of shows or movies, you're always like, okay, well, these are the main characters. So obviously they're not going to die. So it kind of kills any tension. Like, have you seen it? I have not. It's on the list okay. of uh, shows that I'm going to watch. I actually just recommended this to my dad because I heard that he, you know, he was looking for a new show to watch. And I was like, Squid Games looks pretty good. I'm going to get yeah. around to it eventually. And he sent me a message not too long ago said, Hey, you know, it's weird, but it's good. I enjoyed it. Like, well, all right. So here's a perfect example of this. There's a moment, um, probably halfway through the show, where the game is they're playing tug of war, and whoever loses the tug of war game dies, right? Um, but all of your main characters are on one team. Obviously, huh. they're gonna win. We're halfway through the series, and these are all, like so. There's no suspense in there, and you just know like these people are gonna make it to at least five or six episodes or whatnot. You know, maybe they won't make it to the finale or maybe they won't make it to the penultimate episode or whatever. Like, I don't know, it's just, I'm not really interested in the season two either um, because like they kind of do that weird thing where, you know how like Hunger Games, the first one is just kind of this story, but then Hunger Games two, all of a sudden it's, it's a lot more like, you know, we got to take down the, this, this system. It's a lot bigger than just the games and all that. And the Hunger Games three has nothing to do with the Hunger Games. Um, <coughs> it feels like, like they've. I hate when when movies and shows introduce this concept that I love, but they immediately like say like we're gonna take it down. So like Escape Room, right? 
I love that concept. I, I, I loved, I, I didn't love, I really liked the first movie. Um, I haven't seen the second one yet, but it's like, but you just introduced this concept and you're ending it by saying, we're going to tear it down. And it's right. like, I kind of wish you just made more escape room movies, you know, um, make them clever. And eventually let's say, let's say three or four movies down the line, you get your, you know, we're going to, uh, all the people that survive are going to team up and take it down. You know, like, yeah, that, that hunger games comparison is, you know, relevant for squid games, but also you're right. It just, the, the most interesting part of the hunger games is the hunger games. And when you veer further and further away from that, do do I really care about this totalitarian government that, you know, is putting these games on? Like, I should, because it's a pretty deplorable thing. But from from a viewing standpoint, I'm more interested in just the Hunger Games, what's going on in the games, how do people win, and just the effects that it has on all these people who end up surviving it. They, they don't win it, okay. they survive it. So the better version of the Hunger Games is to make a prequel to Hunger Games and have that be your first one and have the, the, the Katniss Everdeen one be your second and have catching fire be your finale. Like, except, except like have it be a little bit more like not open-ended to set something up, have it be a little bit more, you know, a little more quick catching fire is my favorite of the, of yeah, the movies. I, I would have to agree with that. And kind of, kind of also on a similar level, like the first, the first, the, the purge series as well. It's like, that's an interesting concept. I don't need to know how, purge ultimately like came to be or anything like that let's just stick with the purge yes exactly um exactly perfect perfect example so um that's just kind of i'm not really excited for season two um i'll probably watch it or at least i'll watch an episode or two but i'm just not excited and uh, just it didn't need to be as many episodes as it was it didn't need to take as much time as it did i think there's a lot of moments that it really thinks pays off that it doesn't uh, but maybe that is because I was a little late to the game. Um, and so there was definitely some things where it was just like, all right, so like I'm expecting I'm expecting this to happen or whatever. So um, I'm interested to see how that compares to you. Either you're going to watch it and it's all still going to be like everything is spoiled for you or it's going to be um, like uh, um, a uh, you, you can you'll be so far removed that you won't remember. Right. It'll okay. be interesting. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I really want to talk about. Um, yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time in the coming attractions. So, yeah, you know, I checked out uh, the problem with John Stewart, and it's fine. It's uh, it's it's very different from the Daily Show. I thought it was going to be essentially a reboot, and it's not quite as funny. But I think uh, I think he's got some really good stuff that he's putting out. Um, that's on Apple TV Plus. That's like every three or four weeks kind of show. It's it's worth watching. Um, if you like John Stewart, but um, yeah, it's uh, I do. Love, love last week tonight. Um, yeah, very, last week tonight is still my my go to and my favorite. Uh, have it, it's the the John Stewart. The it's called what the problem with you know John Stewart and all that stuff. I'm I'm curious about it. It's it's on the queue, but uh, ha- just have not gotten around to it yet. So, yep. Uh, so it's fine. It's good. Um, yeah. Um, and it's also like one of those things that the first episode was about burn pits uh, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and uh, there was actually recent legislation passed that was like taking care of that on um, Veterans Day. Um, so like, yeah, relevant. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, like it was like I I don't know if that was the cause of that or if they were just trying to like you know something's going to be done about it and here you should know. So uh, I think that's really all I want to talk about on what I've been watching right now because other stuff has just been like yeah I've been watching it and my feelings haven't changed. It's not really worth mentioning. Cool. So um, what about do you have any other things you want to mention in that category? Uh, the only other thing that I will, uh, I'll kind of shout out. Um, so 
we we both you know we both kind of have that uh, what we do in the shadows is something that we're both interested in watching um so i i started watching wellington paranormal as well yeah um, so um my my wife is from new zealand so i've gotten a chance to you know experience a lot of you know a lot more beyond like taika watiti and you know just other new zealand filmmakers um and it's just it's such dry funny humor and i love it and it's it's set in the same realm that what we do in the shadows is set in um but it just follows these two two beat cops in new zealand who are kind of doing x-file like supernatural cases um and it's hilarious and it it's similar humor as what we do in the shadows it's just you know we're expanding beyond vampires and we're moving on to other supernatural entities um it's hilarious i love it it's on hbo max um so i'll definitely give a shout out because i want more people to uh to support that uh and there's quite a few episodes on hbo max so yes shout out to wellington paranormal yeah that's good uh i've i've really enjoyed myself with that so. um yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> So, uh, so then tell me about some things we're going to go and skip the, like, what do you catch up on a week to week basis? It's not on for the sake of time. Uh, so tell me some things that are on your queue. Like what's next for you, um, uh, that you haven't seen. So there are a couple shows in particular, uh, that would be on my list. So if I kind of narrow it down, so, um, I, I've been saying for a long time, I'm going to get started with and Morty. And, um, I know that some people have been saying that these later seasons have not been great and that's fine. But I still, um, it's still a big blind spot for me. So Rick and Morty is definitely one that I'm definitely looking to get into. You mentioned the newsroom earlier. Um, my sister is a huge fan of The West Wing, and that's mm-hmm. one that I've been meaning to try to try to watch. Um, and then the last one will be. Um, so I every Wednesday night uh, at a local bar around here, I, I host trivia. Um, and, Sweet. Um, and a category that keeps coming up that. Um, Comes up a lot because uh, the the guy who runs this trivia company, um, shout out Egghead Pub Trivia, Northern Illinois, um, is is Dexter, and uh, with a reboot, not a reboot, but continuation recently coming out. Um, Dexter Dexter's one that I've just been meaning to meaning to watch, um, just so that I can understand a lot of the references uh, in in trivia on a weekly basis. So so if if I'm narrowing down, those are three that I'm definitely looking to get started with soon cool yeah. um yeah um so the way i've been doing this just saying anything that i've like added to a queue or added to a list of like i should check that out at some point um kirby enthusiasm has a new season out um i love kirby enthusiasm i'll for sure be checking out those episodes here uh soon um uh let's see uh and then some other things that uh a big mouth uh, a new season of big mouth as well so i'll for sure be checking out that um I really like both of those shows. They're some of the funniest shows on TV. Uh, and then a couple other ones uh, on Hulu. There's a Hulu original called The Next Thing You Eat. Um, I love cooking food stuff. So there's that. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Mike Flanagan's new one. Um, because after Haunting a Hill House, I'll watch it. And Dr. Sleep, I'll watch anything and everything that he does. Uh, and then uh, on Apple TV Plus Foundation. Um, looks yeah, yeah. really interesting. I just, I haven't seen any of it. I just, I'm excited to. I'm, I'm excited for Foundation as well. There's, actually surprising amount on apple tv plus that i'm interested in watching just there's not enough time in the day man it's just it's too hard to keep up with all this stuff but um but yeah foundation is definitely definitely on the list um and definitely one that i'm interested in when i have time 
eventually. Well, that'll that'll lead me into my hot take then. There's just too much to consume. Um, yep. With all the streaming services, all of them producing their own original stuff, plus you got your, your networks that are producing stuff, and you got your um, your uh, cable channels that are producing stuff. Uh, there is way too much content out there. There, It is no surprise that shows that are beloved get canceled, because... You know, like uh, like a show that I loved uh, that got canceled too soon was Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Um, but there was a million things out, and Netflix didn't really do a good job promoting it other than the first season. So, like, it's no surprise. And we're going to see a lot of heartbreak because shows are going to get canceled because they're like, oh, it only reached, you know, four million streams or whatever. It's like, that's a lot of people still. Like, yeah. you know, and Netflix bases their things based off, like, how many new subscribers get. It's like, look, people are already paying for their Netflix or they're getting access from somebody that pays Netflix. Nobody is going to start a Netflix subscription in 2021. Come on. Um, you know, but now you add all this. There's way too much stuff out there to keep up with everything. So there's a lot of things that it's just like, yep, I got to say no to. And like, or or like, it's like, realize, look, it's just not my thing. Or like, you know, I'm just there. There is too much out there. Um, movies are still manageable. There's a lot of movies, but it's like a two hour commitment and then you're done. Uh, anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours and then you're done um and there's already a million movies that i haven't seen but right. it's but it's just like tv is such a time commitment um well you know, there squid squid games could have been a movie right right well and it, it it's funny because it's it's such a time commitment and even nowadays tv seasons they're shorter do you remember when a tv season was for like an hour-long show was like 24 episodes yeah it was like las vegas most seasons like that it's like that's that's a lot of time that i got to invest in this and now that a lot of these shows anywhere from like six episodes to 10 episodes to this is a limited series this is you know something that we're going to continue um this kind of dovetails into my hot take is that do we really have to have spinoff after spinoff after spinoff of everything Looking at you, Game of Thrones. Do we really need more Game of Thrones content? And <sighs> and Star Star Trek has been a big, big proponent of this as well. Like, how many Star Trek spinoff shows do we have now? There's, oh, a million. There's a lot of them. I'm sure an actual Trekkie could name them, but you know, like Next Generation is a spinoff, and Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise, and uh, Discovery, Picard. Um, lower decks uh and isn't there another there's an animated one um, yeah that's lower well? decks okay yeah so yeah it's yeah. and that's just the ones i can think of so you know there's at least 10 times as many so so yes it is slight... voyager there you go that's another one there you go so slight slight offshoot of what uh what you're saying that there's a lot of a lot of tv out there right now there's almost there's borderline too much and um the reason we're why officially too- crossing too much that's yeah. that's my thing we are officially to the point that yeah if so, every show was 10 episodes different story right well and just let's let's just make one one version of a show great uh like a good example of that the walking dead like yeah do we need the walking dead fear the walking dead and another spinoff one when... no because the walking dead hasn't been good for six seasons exactly so <sighs> I, I get that we want to capitalize on a lot of these, a lot of these shows that have made a lot of money and that are great, but we're capitalizing them at a time when they're past their prime. And you know, like a good a good example of this would be, I would probably say, Better Call Saul. You know, like mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. You know, a spinoff of you know Breaking Bad, which was in the running for my favorite show of all time, but it was after 
the fact there was a little bit of distance between, you know, the end of Breaking Bad and the beginning of Better Call Saul. And you know, that's a story that I'm interested in hearing about. I'm not interested in hearing another per another group's perspective on the zombie apocalypse and how much the world sucks right sure. now. So too much, too much going on with existing properties, spinning off after spinning off after spinning off. Let's let's just make, you know, one thing great and go from, you know. Perfect. Yep. And normalize miniseries. Yes. You know, abs- not every, absolutely. Not, yeah. Not every movie, not every TV show needs to be a movie. Not every docuseries or not every documentary needs to be a docuseries. Um, it's in the same way, not every TV show needs to go beyond eight 40 minute episodes. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's do a sift sort real quick. Um, so here's, here's what I have listed. Now I decided not to add things like stars and showtime because while they have their own app, it's really just their content. Um, and I would say that stars as a channel, um, and showtime is a channel. Um, you just, uh, can access their channel via the streaming. So like, I don't really consider them a streaming service. Um, same with IMDb TV. Um, but also I don't know that anybody knows enough about them to, to say anything. Um, so like I'm I'm thinking specifically ones that host original and, uh, original and or old content, uh, or non-original content, or at least not made for streaming content. Um, uh, well, actually there's kind of an exception here because one or two of these is exclusive, um, makes exclusive content, but, uh, I thought we should, uh, we should include these. So here's the list that I've got. Um, I think this is pretty definitive. I mean, like I said, if you're, if we're excluding stars, showtime, uh, stuff like that, where it's literally just, you know, I would probably HBO go or HBO now would have been in that conversation yeah. maybe. Um, but now that it's HBO max, I do think it's different. Right. Um, uh, or, but at least like HBO still has like a lot of times, like they get a movie, right? Right. I, mean, I guess it's back to Showtime and stuff. Anyway. Um, but they, they don't have like exclusive content. Like it's just, it's just an online platform for the existing channel. Whereas a lot of this yes. other stuff, yeah, yeah. a lot of this other That's stuff, true. it's just, it's original, it's different content. And there's like more to it other than just what's in, what's in HBO, you know? Like That's true. It, so so I, I fully support um, you excluding, you know, things like stars, showtime, you know, all that stuff. So it's all good. So here's the list. Um, Netflix, Disney plus Paramount plus Apple TV plus HBO max Hulu. Um, we could maybe even probably exclude YouTube premium. I just had it on there. Um, but I think they've kind of shifted away from that. It's really just now ads free. They don't really make a new content. I mean, yeah. they started off doing that with like Cobra Kai. So we'll go ahead and exclude YouTube premium. Cause it's not really a streaming service at this point. Um, uh, let's see, uh, movie, uh, prime video, Peacock, um, the criterion channel, uh, discovery plus and shutter. I think that's probably a pretty definitive list of kind of like streaming services we're talking about. I think that's solid because we don't want to make this harder than this already is right now. So, so yeah, this is a good list to start off with. Yeah. Um, so let's, so let's do that then. Um, okay. Um, Gosh. Um, all right. Which of the ones do you really want to say something about? Because I think I was initially thinking we could say something about each of them, but I don't know that we need to. What are the things that you do? Is there any of them that you really want to say anything about before we, we just have to decide on the top five? Um. So I, I guess like, well, let me, let me preface this by saying like, I, I subscribe to a lot of these different, uh, different, services so you know all the ones that i have i've got a fair amount of them so i've got disney plus hulu netflix 
Amazon Prime, HBO Max, um, Paramount Plus, Peacock, Apple TV Plus, and Discovery Plus. So I've, I'm familiar with a lot of them, um, and I've subscribed to some of them um, a lot. So um, I guess one that um, I'm going to, like, I'll just kind of tip my cards a little bit and say just missed my top five. I did want to give a shout out to Hulu that missed my my top five. Um simply because the the original like that was kind of a tipping point when coming up with this list for me is just do is there a good mix between original shows on it which hulu definitely has and you know pre-existing content um and for me just with a lot of what's on hulu the original stuff is very hit or miss to me they've got a couple decent hits and then a lot of ones that just kind of fall by the wayside so you know i i guess an honorable mention to to hulu uh for that um but yeah they they just missed my ultimately my top five for, for that yeah i think the ones that i'm gonna um just comment on are the ones that i probably don't the ones that i don't have um i don't have shutter because i'm not a big horror person but i know the horror community loves shutter yeah so like i i like just don't really have I, I love um, Cursed Films, the documentary they put out. I thought that was great. Um, I'm excited for their season two whenever it comes out. Um, but I'm not necessarily, you know, I might get a trial and watch season two or I might. Yeah, I picked up the Blu-ray of season one. That's how I watched it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I loved that. Um, I don't have Discovery Plus. I don't really have an interest in Discovery Plus. Um, I was I was a little bit surprised at how much content there was in Discovery Plus. You know, they've pretty much aggregated all of these channels so like the you know the hgtvs your discovery channel your you know food network all that stuff and just had all the content there it's but most of that i can get on hulu that's fair yeah so that's that's the thing um and i pay for that yeah um that's the overlap that we're talking about with right that's the overlap stuff but yeah. Yep. Um, I think Peacock um, will eventually be will be interesting, but at least as of now, it's it's just not enough for me to. Get, if they didn't have an ad free version, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't do anything. But um, uh, I, I, I look. I, I I love AP Bio. Um, I thought that was a really good show. Um, I haven't seen season three yet because I just don't want to pay for Peacock. That's um, and that's fair. I to be honest, the main thing that I use Peacock for now is Sunday Night Football. That's sure. really it. And, you know, it's it's got The Office, which The Office is important to me. Just, you know, it was on Netflix for a while and then it peacocks. So right. it, there's eventually going to come a time when, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to need Peacock as much. But, you know, I'm also a Comcast subscriber, so it makes sense to sure. to have it. But it's still something that Peacock's fine. And their original stuff has been hit or miss, to say the least. Yeah um i think i think a a service like peacock is going to be the best for taking shows that are failing on their network but still have a following so something like chuck would have been perfect to just transfer to peacock um i think that's where they can really succeed like they did that with ap bio and it got picked up for four seasons they canceled it initially right and then they picked it up a day later because there was a lot of fan outrage and they said fine but we're just going to put it on peacock so i feel like that's a good avenue for them or like paramount plus is doing that since it's cbs owned um where like evil like evil was on CBS and then okay. it got transferred to. Yeah. You know. Well, but let's like transfer it, but still keep your rights. It's just, it, it, you know, and pull people to your street. Like uh, Clarice was uh, on CBS. Right. And after the season one premiere, they're like, we're going to move season two to exclusively Paramount plus. And like now anybody that's seen that is going to have to go to Paramount plus, but it's probably like, it's either that or it, w- it would have been canceled. So like, you know um, like I, 
I feel like Peacock and Paramount Plus are good avenues for that. Yeah. Um, Netflix can buy up the ones that you know, like like I think they did Manifest, and, you know, Designated Survivor, and Cobra Kai, um, Cobra Arrested Kai. Development, Cobra yeah. Kai. Yeah, like they can do. Um, you know, like that's still good. There's there's still a market for that. You know, there's still a market for reviving shows that um, that have a small dedicated fan base. You know, or medium dedicated fan base. Yeah. Um, so uh, like Clone Wars, they did Clone Wars too. Yep. Um, so, um, uh, Criterion Channel is the one that I want the most. I just can't justify the price tag because I don't know how much I'd actually use it. Um, I it's it's ninety nine dollars a year, uh, but it's just like there's already so much content that I just can't keep up with all of it. Like I'm art like if I was caught up on movies or whatever, I have like a watch list of like three hundred movies. Like, and that's not including ones that I like might watch like rewatch that's not on my like watch list. So you know if 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 I had that whittled down or if I got it earlier, um, I, I would love the Criterion channel. I just don't want to pay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then, and then, uh, with movie, um, that's one I really want to like, but it's just, I don't know how much time I would commit to that. Uh, although, uh, they're running a black Friday sale. Um, and I, I, it was like a year subscription for like 50 bucks or something like that. And I was just like, Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll try it out, you know, right? because um, I really liked it the month I had in the free trial, but I just like, I just don't know how much time I can commit. But if you're talking, if it's almost half off for, you know, that's why I got Paramount Plus, you know, um, which I won't be renewing. So, um, and I think Paramount, I said this last month, I think Paramount Plus will be the first one to fold. Um, I, I think, I, I, I think I, we're going to start seeing these fold and I think Paramount Plus is going to be first. Well, it's either they're going to fold or they're going to merge with something else. I could see that's a fair. bigger platform picking up all this content and then folding it in at um, least the original content. And then the other stuff will just, the contracts will end and they're, you know, so like, I don't know, like Paramount plus has like uh, um, a lot of the comedy central stuff. So yeah. like, is, is Netflix going to just start working contracts with all that stuff or, um, you know, and then all their original content will go, you know, might merge, might merge or they might just sell off all their original stuff, you know, like where's like Star Trek going to go, you know? Um, and uh you know, I'm yeah, sure where, there's a market. Where, yeah, yeah, where where are the Paw Patrol gonna go? That is that is literally the only reason why we have Paramount Plus is for the nice. Paw Patrol. Yeah, I picked it up because the um they they announced their streaming plan, the movies that are gonna come out like 45 days after theatrical release, and uh, you know I thought like why not? Like they gotta put on some good content. I just not interested in really it's hit yeah paramount plus is is hit or miss Uh, you know i feel very similar to paramount plus kind of like as as peacock uh, at this point so yeah um and you know some of some of these you know some of the these channels that are in you know for example like with nickelodeon kind of being very much hinged on paramount plus like there's a lot of great stuff from nickelodeon but it doesn't have the things that i'm interested in just yet like and also well and and if you're talking about something like that, then like, but Boomerang exists. So if you're a parent looking for one, like Boomerang is your better option. Yep. Or like Netflix has a whole dedicated kids one, you know? Yeah. Sure. You might miss out on some of your shows, but like Boomerang's got plenty and Netflix kids has plenty, you know? Right. So uh, even HBO Max has like also have a, like a redefined kids focus. Cause like they have that like late, late show, late, late show with Elmo and they have um, like, they're like doing Sesame street again. Um, I mean, but like, honestly, like Disney plus, come on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus come on. All right. I think we have probably the same four of the same five. Um, I do have Hulu in my top five, but my guess is we is, is I don't have prime video and you do. 
Um, I do. So the fi- I do. Okay, yeah. so the five I have are Netflix, Disney+, Apple TV+, HBO Max, and Hulu. To me, that's the top five. Uh, so my my five, uh, HBO Max, Apple TV. Did you mention Apple TV Plus? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney Plus. Yeah. And um, so we have the same top five. We just I have Hulu, and you don't have Prime, and you have Prime Video. Yeah. So I, I guess at this point I have to justify why Amazon Prime is is there versus versus Hulu. And I, I, I actually made a list of all of the shows that are on amazon prime that i was like whoa amazon prime has got actually a lot more than than i thought there was going to be and i kind of went into this assuming that your top five was going to be my top five and the reason why hulu ultimately got bumped for um amazon prime uh let me see where's this list um so if if i'm kind of being honest with myself about some of these shows that were in um in this list that are just you know just really great like let's just start with like things like the boys the man in the high castle um marvelous miss Maisel, um hunters um flea bag different shows like that amazon's got a pretty pretty large chest of original content or original ish like based like original and also original based on an existing property as well that um I was I was surprised at how much of Amazon Prime's like shows that I've watched and I've enjoyed versus the shows on Hulu that are on there that are are good but I I just maybe didn't get as invested in it as much as I hoped. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, here's going to be my argument for Hulu. Uh, I have two I have a I have a pro for um for Amazon Prime but I have two pros for Hulu. Um but I have one big negative for Amazon Prime. And okay. here's what it is. I think they have really good content. Uh, I'm going to start off with Amazon Prime. I think they have really good content, but Amazon Prime feels like an afterthought. Or Prime Video feels like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, it Yeah, it feels like they... Um, um, it feels like they were just like, let's just put on... let's put on some stuff and you know we'll just kind of grab some stuff and maybe eventually we'll make some original content and i think the content they make is good right um there's that for a while i think for a while i thought that netflix had better content or that prime video had better content than netflix but uh, that was before all these streaming services emerged and prime video kind of got left with the shows and then their original they got they got the scraps um both of them have bad interfaces i don't like either of them I would, um, I would agree with that, especially th- if you're on a mobile device. It's not great. I think the only interface I do like, though, is Netflix. Yeah, maybe Disney Plus as well. Um, but neither of them are great. No. Um, but yeah, but Netflix has had the most time to work at it, so there's that. Yeah. Um. So, um. <clears throat> so well, so that, so my my con with Prime is that it it feels like an afterthought. Uh, but my my pro is that I think they've they set themselves up, and it would be great if everybody would agree to this. It's very handy how with Prime Video you get access to the stuff that's included with Prime, but you can add on a Stars or a Showtime subscription. You can add on um, you might can you add Hulu to Amazon Prime? I don't know. That's a I don't know. But you can question. you can add HBO um, to Amazon Prime. You can add. Uh, um, boomerang like prime channels um i think is a really great concept because i would love i would pay money for a a service that i could put on my tv that gave me like you put in your streaming services and you put in your logins and it's able to just pull from there yep. like i would pay i would pay good money for something to put all of my content in one hub um 
And uh, and I think that there's a market for that, but it's just you would got to get the streaming service places to to commit to that, and I don't think they would. No, um, no. But I would I would love a hub, right? Um, somebody make that and call it the hub and give me five percent, you know, um, <laughs> and a free subscription. So um, so that's the things that I um, would say about Prime is that it feels like an afterthought, and they but they've set themselves up really well with Prime channels as well as being able to just buy direct via Amazon Prime. Um, you know, the only other subscription you can do that with is apple tv plus where you can just buy through it that's great because if i don't own it i can buy it right uh here's my here's my uh my pros with hulu um i will say hulu i think has better originals um uh that's not but that's could be debated probably pretty well um the but my two big pros are that um hulu has a lot of shows that are like the next day Uh, i pay for hulu live tv but um you know and the no ads plan so I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I can get anything I want from Hulu unless it's original on, on another streaming service. Cause I either DVR it or I um, can, it's just there. Right. So like all the stuff on discovery plus is almost all of it is on who um, any of your like original shows or uh, like your network shows are going to be on who. So um, I just can't get my originals anywhere else. So that's mm-hmm. uh, that's, and, and I know Hulu also has the option to add stars and showtime. And so they kind of have, prime channels as well yeah but i but uh not quite to the extent that amazon has um but my other my other big positive is and this is straight a content thing but man uh fx having to deal with hulu that is was killer that was huge yeah um because because fx puts out some good content and fx on hulu essentially gave them the green light to be like we're going to produce some content that we weren't sure was going to go well on our channel but we really wanted to run with like you know devs um so um see it's yeah so my my big argument would would just be that prime feels like an afterthought and i and i have access to more things via Hulu. see and it's funny that you feel that way about amazon i kind of feel that way about hulu ever since (laughs) ever since disney acquired it that yes we've we've got your we've got disney plus it's the prime gem i guess for for the streaming platform for disney um but then i feel like a lot of the to say that it's scraps is is a bit of bit harsh to say that, but like like a good example of that, Love Simon, for example, loves like okay. I like I remember hearing once upon a time that Love Simon was supposed to be on Disney Plus, and then it got kicked over to who? I think so. And that, yeah. So so I kind of feel that way about Hulu. Um, I I will. You're gonna convince me that Hulu should be on this list. I think ultimately because. Hulu's movie collection is very good compared to Amazon and Amazon kind of falls into a similar trap that Netflix does, you know, like South Park was right. You know, Netflix is just like, you know, thank you for calling Netflix your greenlit, you know, and (laughs) Amazon is slowly but surely falling into that trap. I think they're green lighting a lot of stuff. That's like, we, did we need this? You know, they're, they're, a lot of their original stuff is really good. Like I, I like Jack Ryan. I like the boys, you know, yeah. I like a lot of that stuff, but in order to get through that, you got to sift through a lot of, a lot of other stuff just mm-hmm. to get to that. So, well, and then take a look at like, uh, like Hulu stuff where you've got, uh, most recently, um, uh, only murders in the building. Uh, you got castle rock, uh, future man. Um, I do love future man. That's severely underrated show. And uh, Handmaid's Tale. 
obviously there, Animaniac, so you got some kid stuff on there. Veronica Mars, which I know you had on your list to talk about. Okay. Yeah, okay, love, okay, okay. Love Victor you, you, aforementioned. 112263. Um, Rami. You, I've heard really good things about Rami. You, you, you got me at Veronica Mars. Okay. <laughs> I'll... Um, and then you got Pen15 and... Uh, um yeah like lots of i'm not saying prime doesn't have good stuff right oh no uh, no that's post- that's that's absolutely not what we're saying but you know right. just you know in terms solar of solar opposites on hulu letter kenny modok castle rock you know yeah modok sucks but <laughs> um yeah look yeah um yeah and i know amazon has some stuff that i know people really love like uh like i hear really good things about bosch um so like it's not to say Amazon like I know people love Good Omens I hated Good Omen um uh you know so I know like Prime has good stuff for sure but there um there have the, the selling point to Hulu to me is that it's not you know you can get things that you can also get on other streaming channels yeah um, and you can get it like in real time true so okay all right you got me I I will I will remove I'll go with my original list who like I'll I'll go ahead and throw Hulu in there and take off Amazon Prime. Should have should have stuck with my gut, but you make some interesting points, and you know, I'll give you that. All right, so our so our top five is going to be not in order: Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, and Hulu. Okay, there's our top five. Now we got to rank this. Um, I had Hulu at three, but I think I'd be willing to go down to five if you're kind of being like, look, it, it kind of made it in. I had it. I had it at three. Hulu Hulu was originally number five, so depending on where you rank everything, we may end up splitting the difference so let's all right well i'll tell you what my five was okay um i had netflix at five i had netflix at five as well so. oh okay um now he- here's why i i think netflix makes some great content uh but netflix makes so, so much, much crap. Con- so much so content. much crap um and they're the quickest to cancel a show Yes, um, there have been lots of shows that people have been mad that they canceled. Um, I mentioned Santa Clarita Diet earlier. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, and you could argue that Arrested Development Revival was a fumble. Um, I kind of like season four, um, but uh, um, you know, and but you know, but for every Stranger Things, there's a Bright, or mm-hmm. for every Six Underground, there, which I like, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Six Underground or The Old Guard or whatever, or Extraction, there's whatever new Adam Sandler movie is coming out. Right. Yep. Like, and that's just movies. Like, but if we're talking, you know, Netflix has both the best and the worst original content. Yes. Yes. I would have to, I would have to agree with it. Second best. Yeah. But it's, there's just so much there. And that's, that's just even, even if you're just going like American TV shows versus like the foreign TV shows that they put on there as well, which, you know, are hit or miss as well. Um, and then they have things like that captivate the nation, but are actually like terrible for society. I'm looking at you, Tiger King, you know, and all that stuff. So, you, yeah, uh, thirteen reasons why. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm good with Netflix being at the bottom. Um, if we had done this list maybe about three years ago, it probably would be towards the top. But absolutely. But absolutely. Um, but 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 with everything coming out, they've really had to rely on their originals. And I love the first couple seasons of House of Cards. Um, and it was their first big original. Yeah. Um, you know, Stranger Things is good. Um, I like I like, big Bo- Mouth. I like Bojack Horseman for a little while. Yeah. I, I like uh, the, I love Epics for Family. Um, um, their their uh, their animated movies lately have been have been hit or miss as well. So. So, because we've been watching a lot of those, because uh, we do Friday family movie night, 
um, and we're going through them slowly but surely. So for for every like My Little Pony, my next generation, there's other stuff that's like not so. So yeah, now- well you got yeah. You, you th- like there's a lot of mediocre stuff on there like the witcher and um and, and so and mediocre just like meaning like i haven't i haven't seen it but i've not heard the best things about it. i know people like sex education a lot that one's um mm-hmm. I thought umbrella academy sounds pretty mediocre to a lot of people i um, i yeah, witcher's hit or miss the the umbrella academy is a is a soft spot for me i do i do like the odds so okay but yeah it's it's it is something that it's just there are very big swings you know swings and misses with with netflix and there's just so many of them as well so um so yeah i think okay netflix at the bottom of the list i'm i'm good with okay yeah i'll be good with that too for sure um now i did have um so i said i had hulu at three i did have apple tv plus at four but i think i could be willing to swap those I had Apple. T- this is contrary to some of the stuff that I've been saying, but I have the reason why I have HBO Max at four is because their original stuff is because yeah, it's relying very heavily on a lot of these existing properties. So, you know, for Game of Thrones, um, Sopranos, all that stuff, which is all really great, but a lot of its original stuff, like, I'm I'm struggling to find an original show on HBO Max that has caught my attention the same way that a lot of these shows on Apple TV Plus have caught my attention. Mm. Now, I, I, when you're saying the HBO Max shows, are you saying specifically the Max originals, or would you include HBO originals as well? No, I'm going straight HBO Max. Okay. See, that's the thing, though, because they have two avenues, and so there are shows that come out, like Lovecraft Country, that come out on HBO, but then are also simultaneously released on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But And then there's Max originals like Raised by Wolves. like Yeah, Raised, Raised by... And, like, even... Can you even count some of these, like, DC shows that end up on... Yeah, uh, because as, because it's owned by Warner, and Warner Warner throws it on there. And at this point, Harley Quinn season three like makes in Doom Patrol like these are now HBO shows, not DC Universe shows. So I look, I think I think we have to include anything on the platform, whether or not it was originally made or uh, not. And and so to kind of also the reason why Netflix is still at number five, they have the best interface, but they used to have everything, yeah. and then and then stuff just started getting sold elsewhere. Right. Um, And so now Netflix, again, was kind of left with some of the scraps uh, of everything else. And so they really had to rely on their originals, Um, whereas stuff like HBO Max, since they have the Warner catalog, they're able to just put it up there, you know. So you get Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, But there's Warner properties in there. But you but you're able to put, you know, The Sopranos and The Wire and Game of Thrones and all your HBO original stuff on there, all your Warner original stuff. I I think. They started off really well. You, you add the the day the day and day um, theater release uh, mm-hmm. and HBO Max release. Like that's certainly a a perk that I don't think it's a perfect system, but yeah, because because um, if you look at the properties that are on HBO HBO Max, so you have DC, you have you know all the HBO stuff, you have the mm-hmm. Studio Gibraltar stuff, you have the Turner Classic. Studio Ghibli. I'm sorry, sorry. It's okay. That. Well, but yeah. but you also have turn. Uh, you also have TCM. Yeah. Like, there's lots of classics on there too. There's plenty. There's plenty of movies that are on the Criterion Collection that are in HBO Max as well. Seven Samurai, um, uh, uh, Eight and a Half was on there. Like, lots of these are on HBO Max. Right, right. So, yeah, the HBO Max. And whereas it seems like Netflix has like a lot of stuff, like HBO Max is just trying to be a little bit more careful with some of the stuff that they put on their platform. So 
I think they're being selective. I think yeah. that they are that they are being like, we can make everything in the world, but let's just make the good stuff. Yeah. I've yet to find anything on HBO Max that I've actually hated. Um like or at least like Raised by Wolves. I didn't I didn't love it. I loved the pilot. I didn't really love the rest of the show, but I understand why people like that show a lot. Um, so it's not, so it's not to be like when I watch something on Netflix, I'm like, who is watching this crap? Right. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, HBO at max at four will not stand. Uh, the lowest I would ever consider going is two for HBO max. Wow. But to me, but to me, HBO max is number one. The only negative I have against it is their interface. Their interface is garbage, but all of these are garbage. They're all bad interfaces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Except for Netflix. And I'm least concerned about the interface because between the phone and the Xbox and the Chromecast and the, or the Google TV and my TV, like one of those interfaces has to be good, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least tolerable. Tolerable. Yeah. I would settle for tolerable, but what a low bar to set for all of these streaming platforms. This interface is tolerable, but yeah. Okay. Um, I, the lowest I'm willing to go is two on HBO max. Okay. Here, here is, here's a list. Okay. Here's what I, a list that I can settle on, okay? So I can go with HBO Max at number one, Disney Plus at number two, Hulu at three, Apple TV at four, Netflix at five. That's exactly what I had written. That's that's because although Disney Plus, in my first initial thought, I, I thought Disney Plus was going to be number one. Like, it just seemed like that was the logical pick. And for me and my family, we use Disney Plus by far the most. Mm-hmm. Um, however... Their original stuff, if you subtract Marvel and Star and Star Wars, their original stuff has been remakes, rehashes, like we've got Mighty Ducks Game Changers, we've got a Doogie Howser reboot. And, and, and I don't think any of it's like spectacular or horrible. Mighty Ducks Game Changers is good. It's fine. You know? It's it's fine. Like yeah. and that's and that I is, really I, I kinda like the Anna Kendrick Bill Hader Noel. I like that like that movie. I thought that was charming and delightful kind of an okay time but i'm i'm struggling to see like something that like truly stands out the same way that like some of the stuff on other platforms has like stood out like i i like the mandalorian just fine i like yep. i i liked well you I, even look at the marvel shows right i love wandavision uh i really i, I kind of think Falcon Winter soldier is okay and I, i'm a little bit lower on loki than everybody else and i haven't seen what if yet and yeah like i I love that WandaVision kind of swung for the fences and I'm all for Marvel getting weird. I'm mm-hmm. kind of over the, you know, the grounded soul, the grounded shows like, you know, Black Widows, your Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. What if was, you know, maybe a little too different and I it's a cool anthology series, but it was fine and I I enjoyed Loki a lot more mm-hmm. than I thought I was going to, but it's it, it but it's not like a standout that I was hoping that the ultimate. Well, and Disney's got a great back catalog. Yes. Um, because they've had so many properties over the year and, and they're, they stream native 4k on most devices. Um, they recently released um, certain Marvel movies in IMAX format, yeah. um, which you can normally only do on disc, but they recently like made that change. That's big. I think that they've handled things really well in terms of excluding certain content that's Disney owned uh, um, because of not holding up to time and certain things that simply include it just a, a thing like, look, it was made at the time. We've grown as a society since then. And like, I, I feel like they've done some really good things like that. I feel like they've handled some of that the best, um, you know, t- to be like, look, we're acknowledging our history. We're acknowledging that. Yeah. The crows in Dumbo are racist, but like <laughs> that, that warning at the beginning of it. And like the same thing with like, it doesn't yeah. make it. Okay. 
4K makes it better, you know, watching it now. Although right. I'm, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make it okay. It just means we're learning from our mistakes. This is part of our history. We should embrace it. Um, Here, so. if I'm grasping at straws of something like for Disney Plus, that I I personally think what Disney Plus has done to Pixar is I'm not a huge fan of it. I want to see. Yeah, some of uh, one of the shows I didn't mention was Monsters at Work that I'm watching, and yeah. it's it's kind of a slog to get through. Um, yeah. Well, but I I like a lot of uh, I like Pixar's catalog of movies, and I'm not a huge fan of Pixar being relegated to just exclusively for Disney Plus and not even like Premiere Access or anything like that. Like I think their Premiere yeah, Access yeah, those are model, interesting choices. Yeah, they're they're weird choices to me because Pixar was was crushing it for a long time, and now the tables have kind of flipped a little bit, and understandably so in in the sense that a lot of like Disney's like original their Disney Studios, you know, with Frozen, Frozen Two, The Wreck It Ralphs, uh, you know, Raya and mm-hmm. the Last Dragon, those have been great. But you know, Soul, uh, what was the one that Luca? as well that came out they were fine but i'm not oh i love so um i'm not you're you're gonna have a lot of people fight you on saying soul is okay soul is great but but what i was i didn't care for luca 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 was interesting and onward is great too it's not as great as soul but onward's good but but for those pixar movies to be relegated to disney plus only that's where i have the big issue and i love the pixar shorts that are going yeah i love forky's ask forky ask a question i think that's great yeah those are those are great but but yeah, the so that's I think that's ultimately kind of why I landed on Disney Plus being being slightly lower than I thought it was going to be, which it was I thought it was going to be at the top, but I'm okay with it being number 2 versus HBO Max because of just the just the sheer amount of content um and quality content that right. is is on HBO Max. So Well, that's the thing is I, I I'm I'm to me, I would be willing to settle with HBO Max at two to put Disney Plus at number one. But for me personally, my own personal HBO Max would be number one because they have the best content. Yeah, um, they simply do. And Disney has excellent content, too. But like when you have a, a platform that has, um, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah plus Sopranos and The Wire and um, uh, uh you know two of arguably the greatest shows of all time um and two of my favorite shows of all time um watchmen and chernobyl yep. um and you add shows that like even i realize aren't for me but i can still appreciate like raised by wolves and um lovecraft country and i, I kind of really like the nevers and uh, uh but then you can also add things like they have uh like they're doing some looney tune stuff um and they're um uh, it well they have wellington paranormal because that stuff's airing on cw they have uh um um it, it, they have the best documentaries i think yeah. um not all of them are great and definitely a lot of them are biased uh but like i think i think i'll be gone in the dark is the best docuseries of all time yeah um i, I thought it was terrific um uh, from start to finish and that is absolutely uh, a bright spot for me is the documentaries they have like from the earth to the moon pacific brand of brothers last week tonight with john oliver that we mentioned um curb your enthusiasm um euphoria you know all euphoria things. is great um the I, i've heard great things about scenes scenes from my marriage um just haven't checked that one out yet that one's also on my list uh uh and just the variety of content as well mayor of easttown like cleaned at the emmys yeah. 
Um, yeah, the variety of stuff because they've also got because Cartoon Network, so they've also got like Ed, Ed and Eddie and um, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, like some of that like old Cartoon Network stuff. Wasn't um, there Adult was, Swim stuff? I think there's a HBO Max original that um, wasn't Hacks technically an HBO Max original? Because I just I, I, not, I just, not ringing a bell to me. I just watched that. Um, that was that was pretty great. It's a little heavy, but it was still yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm uh, I'm good with HBO Max being being on top um for the sheer amount of content and the quality versus quantity ratio is higher than what what there is on disney plus so yes and and here's the thing and here's the like look i think disney plus like is excellent like this is this is a lot closer than i'm trying to make it sound um but you're right variety is a big thing and disney plus is intentional about that right yeah. like any of their adult stuff they're going to send to who um and that's but i'm 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 i think one day probably very soon i i would be more willing to put apple tv plus above hulu um now i'm biased cuz i pay for the live tv um it's how i watch any live tv but uh which is pretty much just sports and occasionally the news but um but there's just not there's just uh, apple tv plus just is it doesn't have enough yet and uh the stuff that they, they have, have really is- excellent stuff like ted lasso and uh um uh, I, I love their movies uh coda is great um is my favorite movie of the year so far and uh um uh, boy state was great wolf walkers was great um yeah i hear finch is really good I've I've heard Finch's good well. As, there's as just well. there's just not enough yet because they're only doing exclusives. They're not you know they're not out there trying to buy the rights to stream friends. You know. I'm I'm wondering though if that's going to change at some point or another. I don't think I, so. I I personally hope it does not because I'm really enjoying just the hub of content that Apple TV Plus has kind of cultivated so far. You yeah. know I. I, I loved Mythic Quest. I loved Ted Lasso. I I was a huge fan to a point of shows like Schmigadoon. I even some of their more recent stuff has been pretty decent. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm interested in. I can't say that yes. for for Netflix. I can't as much about you know Netflix. I can't even say that as much about Disney Plus. If I'm being yeah. perfectly honest. So sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I I don't think we will see Apple TV Plus branch out because because two things. Number one, it's integrated with iTunes. So if you want to watch all the friends on Apple TV Plus, you can. You're just gonna give a hundred dollars to iTunes, you know. Yep. Um, so like they have that advantage of they don't need to worry about whatever other content. Uh, the other thing, I could see them implementing something like Prime Channels. You know, I could see them being like, hey, like watch your Disney Plus content here by linking your accounts. I could see them building contracts with with other streaming services to be like, you know let us link and essentially have you as an add-on because Apple TV plus is less of a content provider and more of a hub. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple TV plus could be that hub that I was talking about earlier where you could link HBO max and Disney plus and all that and yeah. um, be able to watch all your content from, from one location. So um, yeah, we, we need a movies anywhere for, for TV, streaming. for TV or yeah, just yeah. streaming in general. I agree. I definitely agree okay. with that. So there you go. There's your official. We're we're good. You you said it. I I said that's exactly what I have. So um, the Sif sort officially goes. Uh, number five is Netflix. Number four is Apple TV Plus. Number three is Hulu. Number two is Disney Plus. And HBO Max being the victor. Um, I I feel like one and two could be interchangeable. Um, depending on you know, I especially as the more time goes on, we'll see what happens with Discovery buying uh, um AT and T. Yeah. Um. 
And we'll see with Disney acquiring all these other properties, you know, and especially right after Disney Plus Day. Um, and I could see three and four being swapped. I think Apple TV Plus just needs a little bit more time. But I think I think at least right now, this is where it stands. Yeah, so. I would have to agree. Cool. Well, uh, we just got to do the spinoff. Uh, I'm going to go because I'll be quick. Uh, I got a P2. So <laughs> got it. Um, we'll do, uh, I, I, t- I was talking about Ryan Reynolds. Um, look, I really love the Hitman's Bodyguard. Um, I really like that movie a lot. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun, but gosh, I hated the Hitman's Bodyguard's wife a lot. Um, and a lot of people were saying it's just kind of more of the same, but it's you know not fun or anything like that, um, or whatever. It's just, but it's like it's more of the same, but it's less good, and that's exactly what it. it, it I wouldn't even say it's more of the same. Um, it kind of tries to recapture some things, but I was so frustrated at the lack of care that it seemed that this property was getting when the hitman's bodyguard was like a really fun surprise. And then they would do things that like, you can tell they were just like, all right, we love Ryan Reynolds. So just let Ryan Reynolds do whatever he want and let him riff with Samuel L. Jackson and all that. But like, there's even a joke in the movie where Salma Hayek like takes off her shirt and she's going into battle. And then the, and then like, right they're walking, Ryan Reynolds is walking with her. He's like, where is your shirt? And then the next shot, she has her shirt back on. It's like, yo, like what is what are you trying to to do? What are you trying to say? This plot, I don't care about the plot that goes on in this movie. Um, I don't care about anything. It's it's not. I, look, I had a couple of times that I laughed. I had a really hearty chuckle, but I'm still not saying it's worth your time. Like, mm. definitely don't pay for this movie. Um, you could do worse if you know when this appears on Netflix or whatever. You could do worse. Um, for sure, you could do worse. Uh, it's it's not a total waste of your two hours, but it's I. Uh, very disappointed. I, I borderline hated this. Yeah. Noted. So, okay. What is your spinoff? So my spinoff, uh, Apple TV plus show that recently dropped, uh, the shrink next door. Um, I, I checked out the first three episodes. Um, not what I was expecting it to be simply because when you look at the cast, you look Paul Rudd, uh, sexiest mm-hmm. man alive, Paul Rudd, yep. um, Will Ferrell, Catherine Hahn. I thought it was going to be way funnier. And it's it's got it's got laughs, but it's not quite what I thought that was going to be. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, for in a time of age when like anxiety and like mental health are definitely things that like should be addressed and should be, you know, a full focus for a lot of people. um, This one, uh, this one is just coming at the right time. I'm I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. I get that it's based on a podcast, so I don't. I never listened to the podcast, so I don't know what there is to uh, to be in the future. But I'm enjoying it so far, uh, and I think people should check it out. Cool. Well, uh, that'll do it. Um, so, uh, quick reminder: Swift Pop Roger Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. Uh, so you can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. Uh, if you want to write for SwiftPop.com, uh, you can just give us uh, a quick shout um, at uh, RogerRoomSwiftPop.com, or you can DM the SwiftPop Twitter. Uh, or you can get in contact with me uh, on Twitter at Castle. Um, but uh, that's the uh, ways you can connect with me in the show. Mike, where do you want to uh, send people to connect with you? Uh, send people to sifpop.com uh, to uh, read our best ever challenges, uh, reviews, etc. Um, I've uh, My Twitter handle is uh, Hilti underscore Mike, and my letterbox is mhilti20. Cool. Well, hey, uh, it's been really great talking with you. Glad you were finally on the show. And... Uh, um yeah glad we were able to make this work yeah thanks a lot for having me on it was fun yeah absolutely uh we'll do it again sometime here soon uh and uh next month i have alice joining me again for tv 
Uh, always love when Alice is on the show. Uh, next week, I have uh, Robert and Joseph joining uh, to talk with a goat or talk about a goat. Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. So as a reminder, um, if you're keeping up, you should check out The Kid. Uh, and next month for TV, I'll have Alice join. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode. And uh, we'll see you next week.